You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. West Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. West Guys, these guys know sports. West Guys, these guys know sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys know sports. These guys know. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports on this Friday. February 11th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the World Wise Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys for Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Happy Friday to everyone out there. It is Super Bowl weekend. It is upon us. And before I get into the Super Bowl, I know everyone's wondering, like, why in the hell does Trey got on a Joe Burrow Bengals jersey? So there was a bet, because you know damn well I wouldn't be wearing a Bengals jersey on the show or ever be seen in public with a Cincinnati Bengals jersey on, because I've been a diehard Green Bay Packers fan my entire life. But I had a bet with my cousin. You know, I went to the Bengals game against the Packers this year at Paul Brown Stadium. My Packers, we beat the Bengals 25-22, but it doesn't matter because the Bengals went farther in the playoffs than the Packers did, and that was the bet that me and my cousin had. We had a bet that if the Packers would have went farther than the Bengals, then he would have had to wear a Packers jersey, or if the Bengals went farther than the the Packers, I got to wear a Bengals jersey. So that's why I'm wearing this Joe Burrow jersey today on the show. And the Bengals, they just, they just they just went above and beyond because not only did they get past the wild card weekend and get past the division around the playoffs, they got to the Super Bowl. So I thought I was going to be able to skate by when they when they you know when they got to the AFC Championship. I thought Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs was going to knock out the Bengals two weeks ago in Arrowhead, but it did not happen. So I couldn't escape this bet for another week and so i'm a man of my word and here i am on the wise guy sports show owning up to my bet that i have with my cousin got the joe burrow jersey on <sighs> man it's tough but i got an action jam pack show i'm going to bring on former cincinnati bingo joe kelly on the show he was a part of the Bengals team that went to the super bowl in 1988 the team that lost to Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. He is out there in LA. So I'm going to talk to Joe and ask him about the pulse, you know, of Bengal fans who are out there currently in LA and get his thoughts on the big game coming up on Sunday. Also, I'm going to talk about later on the show, the James Harden and Ben Simmons trade that went down yesterday in the NBA and Charles Woodson, former Green Bay Packer, He says the Packers should seriously consider trading Aaron Rodgers. I want to get my thoughts on that situation as well. And also I'm going to talk about Tom Brady retiring. I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So I'm going to get my opinion on Tom Brady's retirement. And also I'm going to have my man, Brian Westbrook on. Diehard Bengal fan, former 
co-host of the Wise Guys Sports Show. He's going to be joining me as well in the next hour discussing some football. But we have to start off in L.A. in the Super Bowl. Yes, Bengals fans, it is here. The Cincinnati Bengals playing in the Super Bowl in L.A. on Sunday evening at 6.30 at SoFi Stadium, going up against the L.A. Rams. Whoo, I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe I have, those words are coming out my mouth. Bengals Super Bowl? Never thought I would see the day where I have to say those words on my sports show. But here we are. The Cincinnati Bengals, they are seeking their first Super Bowl championship, the L.A. Rams. This is their fifth Super Bowl appearance. Bengals got three Super Bowl appearances previously. Sean McVay and Zach Taylor, both are the youngest coaches ever to coach in a Super Bowl. And when I look at this game, let's start off with the Bengals offense versus the Rams defense. And obviously, when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals are led by Joe Burrow. And on the season, in the regular season, Joe Burrow, he had 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He had 4,611 passing yards. He completed 70% of his passes, which is a league best completion percentage. And you remember earlier in the season, in week 16 against the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Burrow threw for 525 passing yards, and he got defensive coordinator Dan Martindale fired. You know, Dan Martindale got fired after the season, and I believe a part of the reason why Martindale got fired was because he allowed Joe Burrow to throw for over 500 passing yards in a matchup that took place at Paul Brown Stadium in week 16, and then Burrow, he followed that up with a 446-yard performance with four touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 17. They clinched the AFC North with that victory. He was sensational this season. This is coming off a devastating injury that took place the year before. And so coming into the season everyone was talking about here in Cincinnati, did the Bengals bring back Burrow too soon? And Burrow went out there, and I thought in the beginning of the season, he threw interceptions, and he when he got pressure, like, I thought he pressed. Like, whenever defenders got pressure on Burrow, he pressed, and he threw interceptions to opposing teams. I remember in the game against my Packers at Paul Brown Stadium in overtime, he threw an interception to Devondre Campbell. And there were times earlier in the season where I thought he threw careless interceptions. You remember in the matchup against the Bears, I think he threw like two or three interceptions in that game. So we've seen Burrow early in the season struggle and be careless with the football. And I think he had to get used to pressure and not turning the football over. And he did a much better job 
as we got later in the season. You didn't see Burrow throw as many interceptions late in the season as he did in the beginning of the season. So kudos to Joe Burrow because he was able to fix his mistakes. And now the Bengals are one win away from being Super Bowl champions. I want to talk about first for Joe Burrow. These are his potential first. If the Bengals win, he would be the first number one overall pick as a quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his first two seasons. He would be the first quarterback to win a Heisman national championship and Super Bowl. And he would be the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his first postseason since 2001. That's Joe Burrow. He has been playing some great football. And just to show you how great he's done against pressure this year. This was the first 14 games of the season. He completed 59% of his passes. His touchdown and interception ratio was eight to eight. His QBR was 25. The last five games, he's completing 71% of his passes. He got four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and his QBR is 68. So he's done a much, much better job at protecting the football when he's being pressured. And we know because the Bengals offensive line is so awful, Joe Burrow is going to be pressured. He got sacked nine times in the divisional round matchup against the Tennessee Titans. And he still threw for 300 passing yards. So it, it showed me that no matter how much pressure you put on Burrow, he always is able to overcome whatever pressure you put on him. I've seen all-time great quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, like the great Tom Brady, like Peyton Manning, like Drew Brees. When you get pressure on them, they become very passive in the pocket. They see ghosts. Players who aren't even there, they see because they're worried about the pass rush, not Joe Burrow. He's done a great job at being able to overcome this terrible offensive line because this offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals, they are one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And Joe Burrow has just stood right there in that pocket and made play after play after play. In the AFC Championship game, in the second half, there was at least two plays where I thought Joe Burrow was going to be sacked. I I thought the Kansas City Chiefs had Joe Burrow for a sack and he made something out of nothing and was able to scramble away and get first downs. I've never seen anything like it before. Like there was, it was two on one particular possession that were game changers. I thought if the Chiefs were able to sack Burrow on those specific possessions, they would have been able to win the game. But kudos to Joe Burrow and how he's able to escape from pressure and and still not turn the football over. Because we see quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game. On the 49ers' last possession, Aaron Donald, he made a move, got in on Jimmy Garoppolo quick, and Garoppolo just throws the ball up, just throws it up for grabs, interception rounds, and you know the rest of that story. They're on to the Super Bowl. So I give Joe Burrow a ton of credit for how he's been able to, you know, perform under pressure because he's been under pressure. It's not like he has a clean pocket like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Tom Brady, or or like even uh, Matthew Stafford. Like he's had to, to really run for his life. Now, also, the thing about Joe Burrow is the bigger the moment, the bigger he rises to the occasion and performs at a very, very high level. 
in the postseason so far, Burrow got four touchdowns, two interceptions, 842 passing yards. He's completing 69% of his passes. And the best game of the postseason for Burrow, to me, was the matchup against the Tennessee Titans because they sacked Burrow nine times and Burrow still threw for 348 passing yards. As great as he was in the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs, he was even better being able to overcome a terrible offensive line against the Tennessee Titans who were getting after him all after no long. I mean, that Tennessee Titans front seven, the Bengals offensive line had no answers for that Tennessee Titans front seven. And Joe Burrow stood back there in that pocket and threw for over 300 passing yards. That was his best performance of the postseason by far, by far. And I call him big game Burrow because this goes all the way back to Joe Burrow's playing days in high school. This was the Ohio State championship game. Burrow lost this game 56 to 42, but it was a shootout in that game. Burrow goes 26 of 45 for 446 passing yards, six touchdowns, one interception, and he played absolutely sensational in the Ohio State Championship game. Transition to the collegiate level. This is the SEC Championship game against Georgia. Burrow, he goes 28 of 38, 349 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. His QBR that day was 97. Then against Oklahoma, Burrow goes 29 of 39, 493 passing yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he even ran for a touchdown. His QBR that day was 99. National championship against Dabo and the Clemson Tigers. Burrow, he goes 31 of 49, 463 passing yards. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. He ran for a touchdown as well. And in that same game, ironically, Jamar Chase, he had nine receptions, 221 yards, two touchdowns, balled out at a very, very high level. So Joe Burrow, he ended his college career with 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and his average QBR in the playoffs that year was a 98. A 98. That was Joe Burrow's QBR in the college football playoffs when the LSU Tigers won a national championship. And when the lights are at its brightest, that's when Joe Burrow shines. And honestly, I've been messing with Bengal fans all year long, and, and I always trash talk Bengal fans. I've been doing it for 30 years. I've had bragging rights until this year because my Packers flamed out early in the postseason. But I'll be hearing Bengal fans compare Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. And I've been saying all year long, that's absolutely ridiculous. But I have to be honest. I've never seen a quarterback have the type of poise that Joe Burrow has. I've seen Patrick Mahomes get flustered in playoff games and completely, you know, become unrattled. I saw it last year in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I remember early in Josh Allen's career in the postseason, going up against Deshaun Watson in the Houston Texans. Josh Allen became unrattled in that playoff matchup when the Buffalo Bills faced off against the Houston Texans. He was unrattled. We've seen Lamar Jackson 
have his struggles in the postseason. I've never seen a quarterback have the poise like Joe Burrow has, and he is the reason why the Bengals are in this position to win their first Super Bowl in franchise history. I know the defense did a great job against Patrick Mahomes in the second half in the AFC Championship, and I'm going to get to the defense here in a minute, but make no mistake about it. The reason why the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl is because of Joe Burrow. It's not because of Mike Brown. It's not because of Zach Taylor. It's not because of Jamar Chase. It's because they got a dog at quarterback in Joe Burrow. I can't say enough about the job that Joe Burrow has done. Now, when you look at this Bengals offensive line, left tackle Jonah Williams, he is rated the Bengals' best offensive lineman. But he also allows the most pressures on the team. So that just tells you how bad this Bengals offensive line is. And in the AFC Championship game, the Bengals, they only gave up one sack, but they allowed four quarterback hits. But again, there were multiple plays where I thought Joe Burrow just made a play. So on the stat sheet, it says the Bengals only gave up one sack. But in reality, Bengals probably gave up three or four sacks. There was just three or four plays where Burrow made something out of nothing. But when you look at this offensive line, they're led by center Trey Hopkins, right guard Jackson, Carmen, Hakeem Alijale. He also plays right guard, right tackle Isaiah Prince, left guard Quinn Spain, and left tackle Jonah Williams. This is a below average group, and this is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. But somehow they are in the Super Bowl. And that's because they got elite playmakers offensively. I mean, when you look at this Cincinnati Bengals team, you're looking at Joe Mixon in the backfield. He had over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. You look at Jamar Chase. He set a record this year when it comes to receivers. I want to I read y'all this stat. This is a stat with, from, with Jamar Chase and what he's been able to do this year. Jamar Chase. This year, he had 1,734 receiving yards in 20 games. And this is including the playoffs. This is including the playoffs. Jamar Chase has more yards in his rookie season than each of these receivers had in their first two seasons. These receivers I'm about to name, he had more yards in his rookie year than any of these receivers in their first two years. Tara Owens, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Chad Johnson. In 20 games, Jamar Chase has more receiving yards than all of those receivers I just named. Terry Owens, in 36 games, he had 1,612 receiving yards. Devontae Adams, in 32 games, he had 1,101 receiving yards. Antonio Brown, in 29 games, he had 1,435 receiving yards. And Chad Johnson, in 28 games, he had 1,000 495 receiving yards. Jamar Chase in only 20 games got 1,734 receiving yards. Jamar Chase is already a top five NFL receiver. He's playing at a very, very elite level right now. And, you know, I believe that chemistry that Burrow and Chase had when they played at LSU, it's carried over to the NFL 
and they are one of the better dynamic duos when it comes to quarterback receiver that we have in the NFL. I believe Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I believe Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And then I believe it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase when it comes to dynamic duos and quarterback receivers connections. They're one of the best three in the league. One of the best three that we have in the NFL. That's how big time Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase has been. But when it, when it comes to this Bengals team, it's not just about Jamar Chase. Again, Mixon had over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. T. Higgins also had over 1,000 yards receiving on the season. And they got a nice playmaker in C.J. Uzama, who I'm interested to see if he plays in the Super Bowl, who also makes plays for this Bengals offense. And they got a proven slot receiver in Tyler Boyd. You remember Tyler Boyd? He was here in the Andy Dalton era. So Tyler Boyd is a proven NFL receiver who can make plays in the slot. I think Jamar Chase is the best Bengals receiver, but I think Burrow trusts Tyler Boyd in key moments in football games. Be on the lookout for Tyler Boyd because I think Tyler Boyd can make some plays against this Rams secondary because we know Jalen Ramsey is going to be lined up against Jamar Chase. We know the Rams are going to try to take out Jamar Chase. So Tyler Boyd will be key in their game plan and be a key factor in the Bengals being able to win this game. But this, the Bengals this year, this shows you how elite their offense is. The Bengals, they are the first team in NFL history to have a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and two 1,000-yard receivers. All 25 or younger in the same season. Bengals are the first team in NFL history to have that. So that just shows you how elite this Cincinnati Bengals offense is. And when I look at what they've been able to do and how great they have been offensively, they are able to keep their defense on the sideline because of how great they are offensively. And it, it really helps when you have an elite offense because even if your defense isn't elite, they on the sideline and they are well-rested when they enter the game. And you look at the Bengals' offensive ranks this year. They're ranked seventh in the NFL in passing yards per game. They average 259 passing yards per game. And they are tied for seventh in total points per game. They average 27 points per game and total yards per game. They're ranked 10th. They average 385 total yards per game. So this Cincinnati Bengals offense is elite, and they're one of the best offenses we have in the NFL. Now, this was Zach Taylor. He was talking about his team and the pulse of his team. Zach Taylor, he says, this is on his speech to team ahead of the Super Bowl. My message was simple. We are here for a reason. This is not a fluke. We are not underdogs. This is just the last test of the season. We belong here. That was Zach Taylor on the Cincinnati Bengals right now, courtesy of Sal Palantonio. So I agree with Zach Taylor. I've seen all week a lot of analysts 
doubt the Cincinnati Bengals. I see a lot of people who are saying that it should be the Kansas City Chiefs here instead of the Cincinnati Bengals. It's funny that people are saying that, though, because the Bengals, they earned this trip to the Super Bowl. The Bengals are a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs are. And I was wrong because I thought the Chiefs were a better team than the Bengals. But we saw the Bengals upset the Chiefs at Paul Brown Stadium in week 17. They held the Chiefs to three points in the second half. And then they did it again in the AFC Championship game. They were absolutely sensational. They held that high power Chiefs offense to only three points in the second half. And look at Patrick Mahomes in the game against the Bengals in the second half. He went eight of 18, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. His passer rating was a 12. This comes after the first three possessions of the game, the Bengals defense, they gave up three consecutive touchdown drives to the Kansas City Chiefs. So I got to get a ton of credit to defensive coordinator Lou Anamaro and his defensive group for being able to hold the Kansas City Chiefs to only six games and two games in the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this is an elite Chiefs offense that we're talking about. Two dynamic playmakers that have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So I've been really, really impressed with this Bengals defense as well. And when you look at this Bengals defense, this is their defensive ranks. They're not that impressive. Points per game, they're ranked 17th in the NFL. Third down, they're ranked 22nd in the NFL. And red zone defense, they're ranked 19th in the NFL. The thing about this Bengals defense is they make plays when they have to. And the Bengals defense, they have two takeaways in each playoff win. Each playoff game this year, the Bengals defense has two takeaways. So I have to give the Bengals defense a lot of credit for stepping up and making plays when they have to. Are they elite like the Bengals offense? Absolutely not. They're not an elite group, but they have made plays when they had to. And I give them a ton of credit because there were two moments in the AFC Championship where I thought the Bengals were going to lose the game. When the Chiefs got in the red zone and the clock was under a minute, I thought the Chiefs were going to do the Bengals how the Bengals did the Chiefs in week 17 when the Bengals ran the clock out and they didn't leave any time for Patrick Mahomes to have a game-winning drive for the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were going to do that to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. But give credit to that Bengals defense for stopping that Chiefs offense once they got into the red zone from scoring a go-ahead touchdown and leaving no time on the clock for Joe Burrow. There wouldn't have been no time on the clock for Burrow to be able to come back and score a touchdown to win the game for the Cincinnati Bengals. There would have been no time left on the clock. It was under a minute. So I'll give that Bengals defense a ton of credit. Trey Henderson, he's a key player for that Bengals defensive line. And in the matchup in the AFC Championship game, Trey Henderson, he had two sacks, five pressures on Patrick Mahomes. 
Sam Hubbard, two sacks, five pressures. And they had four sacks total, five quarterbacks hits, and they also had two sacks on three-man pass rush. So that means they were able to get to Patrick Mahomes only rushing three. When you have a defense that's able to get to the opposing quarterback when you only rush three, that's a recipe for success for your defense because that means you can drop eight back in coverage. You can drop eight back in coverage because you know your three pass rushers are applying pressure on the opposing team's quarterback. So now, one of the weaknesses of this Bengals defense has been against opposing tight ends. In week 11, Raiders tight end, Darren Waller, he had seven receptions, 116 receiving yards. Week 14, 49ers tight end, George Kittle, he had 13 receptions, 151 receiving yards, one touchdown, and in the AFC Championship game, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, one of the best in the NFL, he had 10 receptions, 95 receiving yards, one touchdown. The Bengals have struggled against opposing tight ends this year. Tyler Higby, he's questionable for this game. He's going to be key because if he comes into the game and makes an impact for the Rams, it could be trouble for this Bengals defense. It could be trouble. Now, Kendall Blanton, he stepped up in the absence of Higby in the NFC Championship game. He had five targets, five receptions, 57 receiving yards. So I want to see how the Bengals defense plays against the Rams tight ends in this game. Because I think Tyler Higby, he's, he's an average tight end. He's not elite like a Travis Kelsey or like a George Kittle or like a Darren Waller. But I think he's an average tight end, and he can make plays in the passing game for Matthew Stafford in the L.A. Rams. But let's talk about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, he had 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That was tied for the most in the NFL. He had 4,886 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. We know in the offseason, Sean McVay pretty much said, I can't win with Jared Goff as my quarterback. I've went as far as I can go with Jared Goff as my quarterback. I need Matthew Stafford. There's reports about how Sean McVay literally ran up to Les Snead, the general manager for the LA Rams, and begged him to make a trade for Matthew Stafford. He's, he's acknowledged that I have went as far as I can go with Jared Goff. And I don't believe Jared Goff is elite. I don't believe Jared Goff is average. I think he's a below average quarterback. He's on the same level as uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, like he he's a below average quarterback, a, a Baker Mayfield. I, I just don't, like, I, that's how I look at Jared Goff. So I understand why Sean McVay would want to make this trade for Matthew Stafford. Because we see, we saw Matthew Stafford in Detroit. 12 years. He led the Detroit Lions to the postseason three times. He didn't win a playoff game one time. Now, one time the Matthew Stafford won a playoff game in Detroit, but he did get the Detroit Lions to the postseason in three out of 12 seasons in Detroit. And when he was in Detroit, he had 282 touchdowns, 
to 144 interceptions. He had 45,109 passing yards. He completed 63% of his passes, but he never had a team around him to get to the playoffs and make noise. He had Megatron, but that was about it. I, I Marvin Jones played in Detroit a few seasons. He also played with the Cincinnati Bengals as well. But other than, than Marvin Jones and, you know, Megatron, Matthew Stafford never had elite weapons to throw the ball to in Detroit. So Sean McVay said, if you get that dude, I can win an NFL Super Bowl. Lesney and the LA Rams, they trade for Matthew Stafford. And so Matthew Stafford, as great as he has been so far this season, and again, 41 touchdowns is great, but he does throw interceptions, tied for the most in the NFL with 17. And down the stretch of the season, Matthew Stafford was throwing interceptions. Like week 15 through week 18, he was turning the football over at a very, very high level. But to his credit, and this is why he was brought to L.A., he has performed at a very, very high level in the postseason. I think he's been the best quarterback in the playoffs thus far. Six touchdowns, one interception, 905 passing yards, completing 72% of his passes. And I thought actually he should have two interceptions, though, because the safety for the San Francisco 49ers, he dropped a clear interception in the NFC Championship. I mean, it was an easy interception to catch. It was, it was a punt. It was it was an easy interception that Stafford threw up for grabs in the NFC Championship game. But to his credit, I think he's been the best amongst the quarterbacks in the postseason. He's played at a very, very high level. And he was able to overcome four fumbles in the divisional round matchup against the Buccaneers. He saw Tom Brady storm back from a 24-point deficit and tie the game up, and Matthew Stafford led the L.A. Rams down the field for a game-winning field goal that Matt Gay, and he threw a clutch pass to Cooper Cup. I don't know what Ty Bowles and the Buccaneers defense was thinking. They, for some reason, they fell asleep at the wheel, and they allowed Cooper Cup to get behind the defense, and Matthew Stafford, he found Cooper Cup for a deep completion, and the Rams went on to win the divisional round matchup with the game-winning field goal by Matt Gay. So I think Matthew Stafford has been playing some great football in the postseason. And since 2009, which was Matthew Stafford's first season in the NFL, he has the most game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger, he has 39 game-winning drives. Matt Ryan has 39 game-winning drives. Tom Brady, 39 game-winning drives. Drew Brees has 42 game-winning drives. And Matthew Stafford has 43. So Matthew Stafford has shown an ability to make plays when necessary for his football team. I got to say, Matthew Stafford is clutch. He's clutch. I want to see how he performs in the Super Bowl because I think all the pressure is on Matthew Stafford. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, they're playing with house money. The L.A. Rams with Sean McVay as their head coach and Matthew Stafford as their quarterback, they are playing with all the pressure 
to win this game. All the pressure to win this game. Now, as great as Matthew Stafford has been this year for the LA Rams offense, the best player on their offense is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup for the season, 145 receptions, 1,947 receiving yards, 17 touchdowns. All of those statistical categories, Cup is ranked first amongst receivers. His last two games, he has 140 receiving yards, and he won Offensive Player of the Year last night at the Honors Award Ceremony. Well-deserved for Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was the best receiver in the NFL this year. Now, I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL overall, but Cooper Cup was the best receiver in the NFL this year. And he's the reason why the LA Rams are in the Super Bowl plan for an opportunity to capture a Super Bowl championship. Cooper Cup is the best player on this Rams offense. Also, offensively, the Rams, they found a dog in Odell Beckham. Everyone thought Odell Beckham was cooked once he left Cleveland. They said, oh, Odell can't perform anymore. Odell, he's not the same player that he once was. Odell, he's not very good anymore. And so Odell, he balled out in the NFC Championship. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 113 receiving yards. And Odell has been a reliable number two receiver in this Rams offense across from Cooper Cup. We know Cooper Cup gets all the attention, all the attention, but Odell Beckham has performed at a high level, and he's proved why he is still one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think he's going to have a major impact on whether or not the Rams win or lose this Super Bowl. This is including the playoffs. This is Odell Beckham Jr. this season. In six games with the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham, he had 17 receptions, 232 receiver yards, no touchdowns. In 10 games, now this is a 10-game span, but it's a drastic difference in numbers. In 10 games with the Rams, including the playoffs, Odell Beckham has 48 receptions, 541 receiving yards, six touchdowns. So Odell Beckham has shown that he can make plays at a high level when Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay call his number. I think Lou Adamaral, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, they are going to try to take Cooper Cup out of the game. And so in order for the Rams to win this game, they're going to need Odell Beckham to play at a high level just like he did in the NFC Championship game. He's going to be caught upon. And there were questions about Odell Beckham when he signed with the LA Rams. Odell has answered all of those questions. He's answered all those questions, and he should get a nice contract in the offseason. There are reports out of LA that he enjoys living in LA, and I think this is a perfect situation for Odell Beckham with an organization like the LA Rams. Perfect situation. I want to show some love to Odell Beckham. He, he's playing at a very, very high level. And the key matchup is going to be Odell Beckham versus Eli Apple. Who's going to win that matchup? Cooper Cup versus OGA. Who's going to win that matchup? That's going to be key. And we're going to see. I'm going, I didn't get a chance to talk about that Rams 
Defense, we know how great Aaron Donald is. I'm going to get into that here in a bit. But offensively, the L.A. Rams, they're not a team that runs the football at a high level like the Baltimore Ravens or like the 49ers. The Rams in the NFC Championship, they had 29 carries for 70 rushing yards, 2.4 yards per carry. So the Rams, they're not a team that runs the football at a high level. In the regular season, they were ranked 25th in the NFL in rushing yards per game. They averaged 99 rushing yards per game. I like Cam Akers, but I saw Cam Akers have two fumbles in the division around the playoffs. Do you trust Cam Akers to be a playmaker in this Rams offense? I don't. I think the Rams' chances at being able to win this game is going to rest on the shoulders and the arm of Matthew Stafford. And statistics show it. The Rams, they are 11-0 when Stafford's quarterback rating is 100-plus. 11-0 when his quarterback rating is 100-plus. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can establish the run, but I don't think it's going to be able to happen. I think they're going to have to rely on Matthew Stafford to win this game for them. Now, defensively, the Bengals give up 5.8 yards per carry. That's what they gave up in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. Chiefs aren't a great running team either. They don't have no great rushing attack like the Niners or like the Ravens. So that's, that's concerning for the Bengals' defense. 5.8 yards per carry in the AFC Championship can't happen in the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk, talk about more about this game in a bit, and I'm going to give my prediction as well. NFL linebacker played 11 seasons in the NFL with six teams, played college football at the University of Washington, and was the team MVP as a senior in 1985, had 442 tackles, six interceptions during his NFL career, and played four seasons with the hometown Cincinnati Bengals after being drafted in 1986. I want to welcome to the show, former linebacker of the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Kelly. Joe, how are you? What up, Trey? Living a dream, baby. <laughs> Living a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you know, um, couldn't couldn't be any any special, any more special, man. This thing is is so similar to 1988 season, 87 season where we won four games. You know, last year, you know, the season that uh, you know the Bengals had, and to uh, you know start this start this year, man, and and uh, you know turn this thing around like they did. You know, their their confidence level, man, is sky high right now. Absolutely. And just to let you know, Joe, I, I, I had you on Wise Guys before, and yes. I am a diehard Packers fan. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm a diehard Packers fan, but I got I had a bet with my cousin. We bet in the regular season that the Bengals, you know, whether or not who would go farther in the playoffs, like would the Bengals go farther than the Packers or would the yeah. Packers go farther than the Bengals? If the Packers would have went farther than the Bengals, he would have had to wear a Packers jersey. But because yeah. the Bengals got to the Super Bowl, I got to wear a Bengals jersey on my show. I, I'm, su I'm suffering, Joe. I'm suffering. I'm suffering this morning. It looks good. You, know? <laughs> you can't look bad wearing a Joey B jersey, man. You look good, brother. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And so, Joe, before we get into the game, let's first talk about the pulse of the city living here in Cincinnati and seeing the Bengals not win a playoff game for 31 years. You know, since you actually played, 
Describe the excitement that you have seen from Bengal fans throughout the city during this playoff run. Oh man, it, it's it is like I said, it's it's so similar to uh, the 1988 uh, season. Um, everywhere you go in the city, you know, every uh, whether or not you're downtown, you're up in Westchester, you know, yeah. Midtown, Oakley. Um, you know, it don't it doesn't matter where you are, man. You can just feel the electricity. We went to the the, the pep rally. Uh, at the stadium and just to feel the, the, the vibe and feel the excitement, you know, yeah. of, of the Bengal fans. It really hits home, man, for so many Bengal fans who are diehard. There's a lot of diehard, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of bandwagon guys now because two years ago, you know, I'm walking down the stadium with, you know, three tickets for free. I'm FaceTime live. I'm calling people. For free? You know, for free. I'm saying, hey, man, I got three tickets. Anybody want to go? Yeah. I can tell so many games. Nah, man, I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese with the kids. You know, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever it was, couldn't get anybody to come, man. But, you know, other than that, man, it's exciting. And really to be able to endure your know, 31 years, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's been, you know, 32 uh, years since the bingo have, have, have been, uh, you know, in a, in a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's exciting, man. It's, it's great for the fans when you, uh, you know, you look on uh, social media, and you, you look at all the reactions, you know, when the shooter, when the shooter made that kick, it's heartfelt, man. Uh, I mean, I, I even had tears. You know, I was, I was, of course, I was at the game in Kansas City. Just to feel, you know, the pulse of the team and just uh, of the fans, man, and just how, you know, it was, you know, some people haven't, they, they don't, they don't know what this is. They've never felt this, yeah. you know, so you've seen the raw emotion, you know, of real, of grown men, you know, yeah. of women, kids. You know, crying, screaming, yelling. Even though you know I'm, I'm an alumni, I felt the same way, man. I was in the stadium, right, man. We're screaming, yelling, tears coming down, and you know I'm going on the on the field, man, and talking, drama, man, and DJ Reader and those guys, man, and just the message I had to them, man, was finish, yeah, finish. You know, we got there, but it's now it's it's, it's you guys' time to finish, yeah. And now, Joe, I know you are out there in LA yeah. and been yeah. there for a couple of days. So far, are there a lot of Bengal fans that travel out west for the big game on Sunday? Airport was packed everywhere we go. The, the Hilton, we're the Hilton LAX, packed nothing but Bengal fans. You know, LA, LA Live, packed nothing but Bengal fans. You know, downtown area. Um, I mean, you see, looking on social media, everywhere we went, you know, last night, Bengal fans. So it, it's crazy how, how many Bengal fans have traveled, you know, but unfortunately, you know, the Super Bowl has become so corporate. Yeah. You know, it, does, it doesn't afford the, the average fan. You know, you think about the, the fan who endured 31 years, man, and my team gets there, and yeah. I got to sell the house to go. You're talking about two people coming. You know, you're spending 15000 20000 Yeah. It's a, foot, it's a football game. You know, it, yeah. it, it's historic. But when you think about it, it just it's unfortunate that, you know, the prices are so exorbitant. They're not able to travel because uh, going to Tennessee and Kansas City, um, in Tennessee, you look up, you know, throughout the stadium, this Tennessee stadium was orange and black. Yeah. You know, of course, Kansas City, you know, they had all that red, but you you can see the presence of, of, of Bengal fans. I'm hoping uh, Sunday it's kind of like that, but, you know, there's a lot of corporate people who have bought tickets. So, you know, we'll kind of see, but I, I think, you know, uh, we'll be re well represented. Yeah, you're right. I think I saw Chad Johnson. He put out a tweet about how, like, you got these diehard fans 
from, from both teams, from the Rams and the Bengals, who have been fans of their team for so many years, but they're not going to be able to attend the game because the ticket prices are so high. I think, Joe, I see, like, in the nosebleeds, ticket prices were starting out at 6000 You can change the light bulb. That's how close you are to the ceiling. You know, prices are going down. Those tickets that were 6000 are now down to 3500 It's a lot of money, man. And, and, and it's unfortunate that when you think about fans of the, yeah. of the competing teams, should at least be afforded the opportunity to purchase tickets at, at face value. You know, yeah. face value, the cheapest tickets are 1600 You know, yeah. but that beats 6000 yeah. You know, you know, so yeah. rather than paying twelve thousand, you can pay thirty two hundred, man, and, and come, you know, and, and cheer your uh you know, your lifelong uh, team on, man. But you know, I, I think still, you know, that being said, the Bengal Nation is gonna be well, well, you know, represented. Now we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl and preview the big game between the Bengals and the Rams here in a bit, Joe. But let's talk about the Bengals path and how they got to the Super Bowl, shall we? Did you get a chance to attend? the home playoff game against the Raiders? If so, describe the atmosphere at Paul Brown Stadium leading up to the game and once Jermaine Pratt caught that game-winning interception. Like, did, did you get a chance to attend that home playoff game against the yeah, Raiders? Yeah, I've, I've, been a, I've been a season ticket holder since I retired. I was that guy that driving to the games, you know, I couldn't wait to tailgate because everybody looked like they had so much fun. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a diehard tailgater going to the game. Uh, but that was the first game, um, even even in 05 when Carson got hurt, you know, it, 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 you had you felt that, but you didn't feel what 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 we felt uh, that game against the Raiders. You know, yeah. that 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 was so similar to, you know, us playing Seattle, you know, on our on our first playoff team in the 1988 uh, season. It was electric, man. It was electric. I've been tailgating on third and central for, I don't know, 15 plus years. Okay. And. I literally, I lucky, luckily I had a friend of mine uh, hold a, a spot for me because the parking lot was full. They were really? down there. They were down there at nine o'clock, you know, four, four o'clock. The day of the game. When we got down there. It was, oh my God. You know, yeah. there was, there wasn't a parking spot. You know, you felt the electricity, man. The fans were, you know, they, they were fired up, man, walking into the stadium. You know, it was, it was electric. Now, after they beat the Raiders, and the matchups were announced for the division around, Joe. I thought they had a good chance to upset the Titans because they had the advantage at quarterback. We know Joe Burrow is significantly better than Ryan Tannehill. Did you have that same feeling heading into the matchup against the number one overall seed, the Tennessee Titans, in the division around matchup? That was the best matchup for us. Yeah. You know, I, I preferred to go to, go to Tennessee uh, at that time. Rather than going, you know, to uh, Kansas City, I thought we matched up well with them. They put Derrick Henry in, and I think that was a huge mistake. Derrick Henry hadn't played, you know, nine weeks, ten weeks. Yes. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, you know, me playing eleven years, my, my the best condition I've ever been. It's hard to come in and play four quarters of an NFL game, you yes. know. And the other running back that they had, number seven, was he was lighting the league up. Four minutes. You know, so, four minutes. Yeah. So I think that was to our advantage that they, you know, kept Derrick Henry in. And yeah, at the end of the day, they made some calls, you know, fourth and two, trying to bootleg with Tannehill as opposed to getting uh, the ball to Derrick Henry. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, they can say, you know, what they going for two, you know, all that. But at the end of the day, we still had to stop. 
We still yeah. had to stop Tannehill. We still had to stop the two-point conversion. So I don't look at here, they made these decisions. And if they didn't make those decisions, you know, they could have won. Well, hell, you you made no decision, you know, to go for two. You made the decision to bootleg and we stopped you. Yeah. You know, so I, I uh, you know, with with the the momentum, man, and, and you can see the confidence level, you know, in that game. Um, I, I I I kept looking at my wife and I said, man, we 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 we're we're gonna win this. We're gonna win this game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Joe, honestly, though, the way that game turned out, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times before the game. If you would have told me that the Titans are going to sack Burrow nine times, I would have yeah. told you the Bengals are going to get blown off the field. That's what I would have told you. And so the way that game went, like, I was shocked that the Bengals were able to overcome Burrow getting sacked nine times. How surprised were you with the Bengals being able to overcome their star quarterback getting sacked so many times? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I think as, as, a, as a fan, as a former player, uh, you know, football, you're, you're a football guy. Uh, yeah. I, we knew going into the game, uh, our, our weakest link, our weakest link, today is, is, is our offensive line. It Absolutely. is what it is. Absolutely. You know, so, um, you know, that that being said, you know, here, we're going to drop back, you know, you think about it, we're going to drop back 30-some times. Okay, they got nine sacks. That's that's 30 other opportunities. You yeah. know, so you gotta look at, you can't say, hey, you know, nine sacks as a whole. Yeah, that is, that their defense, Tennessee Titans defense played, would have won 99% of any game you, when yes. you get nine. You know, but I, I didn't, I didn't think that they could match up with our receivers. Um, yeah. You know, and so we, uh, we, I, I talked about here going into that game, you know, all these games, even the Super Bowl, you know, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon has to get, you know, 75 to hundred yards. If yeah. he gets, we can keep the ball, you can, we can control the clock. Um, but like you said, I knew their liability, you know, was Tannehill, but we made the plays three interceptions. Yeah. First over play, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to make those plays. So I think those, our three big plays against them overcame the nine sacks. I thought if the Titans, they didn't even need a great quarterback. If they had a good, competent quarterback like a Matt Ryan, someone that could not turn the ball over. Like I thought, honestly, I thought the Bengals, honestly, I thought, you know, you have you have games. You played in the NFL. You have, <laughs> when you go on a Super Bowl run, you're going to have games where you catch breaks. And I yeah. thought, on the Bengals' postseason run, their break came against the Titans because I thought if the if the Titans had anyone at quarterback not named Ryan Tannehill, I thought they would have been able to win that game, getting to Burrow the way that they did. But it also it also showed me something about Burrow, Joe, because you played in the NFL and you've seen all time great quarterbacks, Montana, Brady. I mean, in this era, we got Aaron Rodgers, you know, Patrick Mahomes. We've seen all-time great quarterbacks struggle when they get pressured. And the fact that Joe Burrow was able to stand in that pocket and get sacked nine times and still throw for over 300 passing yards, it showed me the Bengals, they got them a dude at quarterback. Yeah, he's he's, he's a real deal. He's the real deal, man. You know, no no doubt. Uh, I I think you know this is a dude, man, that that goes in uh, to a game because a lot of a lot of times we as players can make the game bigger than the game. Yeah. The game still football. You know, here um, I remember, you know, uh, Super Bowl they introduced the the defense. You know, and I came out, man. I came out 
nuts, going crazy. You know, yeah. I, but I would die. And I had to sit down and get take oxygen, you know, and then had to say, okay, it's it's still a game. You got to go out. Once you yeah. get out there, next to you. But this this dude, man, has showed that, you know, there's no game, you know, bigger, you know, than the game. You know, AFC, uh, a divisional round, playoff game. Okay, it's a game. You know, yeah. here's the championship. It's a game. You yep. know, so, you know, uh, I think that, you know, and being as young as as he is and, and being able to have that poise shows that, you know, he's going to be an elite quarterback in this league. But I knew last year. I knew last year. You knew you know, last year? No, last year, because this yeah. dude, this dude is making throws. You know, this dude is making uh, plays. And in, in the Tennessee Titan game, you know, here uh, we, I, we we sat literally right behind the Bengals. And on that, on that, uh, when we when we uh, did get uh, when Logan got the interception, yeah. uh, and he threw that ball to Jamar Chase to get down there, 20, 20 some yard reception. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here I'm looking at Jamar. I see Jamar break to the post. Joe threw the ball to the corner. Yeah. Jamar right here the corner, the ball was already gone out of his hand. You yeah. know, so that, you know, you trust, and that that's that goes to tell you what kind of kind of kind of relationship they have, you know, even not just with Jamar, with other guys. You know, he threw that ball to the out, you know, and, and Jamar had that the corner bit on it, bit on the corner uh post, he came out, ball right there. You know, so it's it's those knowing, knowing, you know, uh, trusting your guys that they're gonna be where the ball should be, you know, yeah. trusted eyes, trusting his eyes as a young quarterback, you know, if his second year, you know, we would have tried to give him a thousand different looks, you know, yeah. blitz, make blitz to all this, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, just so many so no, different, different fronts, you know, different coverages to try and confuse him. But that just shows you how much, you know, his father was a coach, you yep. know, that he's an astute student yeah. of the game, you know, and, and it shows in his play. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, Joe, I thought during a regular season, I thought in the beginning of the season, I thought Joe Burrow, when he got pressured, I thought he turned the football over. He started throwing a bunch of interceptions. I remember in the Packers game, he threw an interception in overtime. But I thought as the season went along, when he got pressured, he didn't turn the football over. He basically had that, that mindset, I'm going to live to fight another day. Like, let me not – because when you turn the football over – as a quarterback, it makes the situation 10 times worse. And yeah. I thought Joe Burrow did a great job as the season went along at protecting the football in the second half of the season compared to the first half because whenever he got pressured, he threw interceptions. So I got I got to give him a ton of credit. And, again, this, this kid, Joe, he plays well in big games. We yeah. saw at the collegiate level he won a Heisman Trophy. He had 60 touchdowns. Six interceptions, completed like 77% of his passes, won a national championship with the LSU Tigers. And whenever the lights are at its brightest, that's when Joe Burrow shines. And I've been, and there's some bigger fans, Joe, that have tried to compare him to Tom Brady. And I've said all year long, stop. But I got to be honest, Joe, I see some of Tom Brady in Joe Mixon. I, I see it, that, that clutch. That poise, and I think that's why the Bengals are in the Super Bowl because their team, the team, look at Joe and they say, "We got a chance with that dude." To that, you say what? Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I hate the comparisons. You know, uh, you know, is he? He's going to be Tom Brady, Dan Marino, Joe Montana. Um, his play is going to, you know, speak for itself. 
you know, and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's saying, okay, Tom Brady is great, greater than Joe Montana, unless you played against Joe Montana. Right. You know? and, yeah. you know, so, you know, in, in, in that aspect, you know, does he have all the intangibles? Absolutely. Tom Brady, listen what Tom Brady said, you know, Tom Brady even said, I wasn't at his level my second year. Yeah. You know, Tom, Tom didn't come in with an expectation. He's a six round pick, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Bledsoe gets hurt. Bledsoe didn't get hurt. I, you know, it's, you don't, you don't know what he's been. been Agreed. Who he is. I don't yeah. know. You know, but you know, here, uh, Joe being the number one pick, the, the expectations were higher. And yeah. uh, it's, it's still a point where he's, he's achieved, if not he already exceeded any expectation uh, that you uh, could possibly have for a number one pick from from a quarterback. He's done um, more than any other number one pick being a, being a quarterback. You know that that just speaks to you know his background and you know his father being a coach and you know yeah. learning the game and, and and studying studying the game. You know and 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 uh, you know the like you said the lights aren't aren't uh, too big for him. You know in yeah. that national championship game. You know because Alabama doing doing what he did. You know, I, I remember that in that game, he took a hell of a shot, and and, and he got up. Next play, he threw a touchdown. You yeah, know, so, yeah. You know, it's it's it, it's that man. He's a uh, you know, like you said, the decisions that he he's making. You know, um, we've traveled to a couple you know way games through uh, the regular season and and Chicago. I remember in Chicago, he threw three interceptions in a row, and three consecutive plays, he threw an interception. Yeah, and those times, you know, throw a screen, stop trying to make you know, for something that that's not there. So he can see not something now. It's not there. Okay. They read the screen, you know, they read, they read the little shovel pass, you know, throw it on the ground, live yeah. another, you know, exactly. so, you know, with a quarterback, he's, he's making, you know, those championship run uh, decisions. And that's why, you know, we're, we're here and, and they're here in LA right now. Absolutely. And honestly, Joe, I think that they should do it already. The Mike Brown, and Zach Taylor, they need to start building the Joe Burrow statue that's going to be right outside Paul Brown Stadium. They need to start it right now. The, the, the fact that he is, has the Bengals in a position to capture their first Super Bowl in history, he deserves a statue. He deserves a statue outside well, of Paul Brown. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that, that, that's coming. You know, there, there's some other legends in Bingo Nation. Uh, but, you know, the, that, that kid, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't care you know, two cents whether or not they had a statue. I don't. I don't think he plays for the accolades. You know, I think he plays for the for love of the game, man. And and um, one thing about when you when you go on a Super Bowl run like this, it's special. Yeah. Anything, even the losing teams. You know, it's something special. And he's the kid that that has that. A lot of you can't make someone a leader. You can't make someone have it. You know, yeah. even the most talented guys. You know, and he's a guy that 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 has it you know yeah. whatever that is you can't measure that you okay. know you you can't you know you can't put a uh, um thermometer you know and and measure the heat in the pulse of, of a player like that man and he uh you can see in his relationship with his offensive players relationship with defensive players relationship with his coaches um that this kid is this kid is special yeah absolutely 10 more minutes joe if you don't mind let's talk about the AFC championship in mahomes house Going up against a team that has reached the conference championship and four consecutive seasons, and they just had back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearances, has a Hall of Fame head coach 
in Andy Reid. You were there in Kansas City at the game. What was your thoughts on the matchup prior to the game? And did you honestly believe the Bengals had a legit chance to pull off the upset, even though they already had previously beat the Chiefs in week 17? Deep down in, in, in my heart, honestly, I said yes. You know, okay. I and I and I said this because a lot of it, you're going into the game, of course, you know, Kansas City, they're at home. You're playing yeah. there. And I don't know if you've ever been to Arrow Hoax. I ain't Arrow been there. Arrow. I ain't been there. I what you say, Trey? That's yeah. How, that's how yeah. loud it is. I'm right next to my huh? What? Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, but but their their fans, you know, when 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 uh, they're on defense, you can hear nothing. When they're on offense, you can hear a pin drop. You yeah. know. It's 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 that, but but going into the game, you know, in my opinion, it was it was the Chiefs that had to rethink, you know, and, and revisit what we did to them in Cincinnati. Um, going into the game again, just like just like uh, this Sunday's game, I said we have to run. Joe has to run for over eighty yards, you know. And when you get him over eighty yards, look, we then you got Samaji. You know, so going into that, we have to keep the the, the, the ball out of Mahomes' hand. Um, yeah. The first first half, um, I I can tell you now. The the biggest play of that game was going into the halftime when Eli Apple uh, stopped Tyreek Hill. Um, when that happened, it wasn't going through the game here. There was I mean, you can see the adjustments. You know, we we got to do that. Our defensive ends, you know, they're they're trying to go around the tackles, and he's and he's breaking the pocket. He's coming in. We go yeah. in. He breaks up. We got to do something. We got to put a spy on him. You know, to all those things. I'm saying to myself, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying all this stuff to myself. Um, but I knew that our offense was going to make some plays. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, going into that that, that halftime when Eli Apple makes that 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 tackle, as a as a as a player and, and understanding the emotions and swings and games, our whole team got up off that bench, ran, you know, like we were ahead. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. And I look at number wife. I said, those, yeah. those dudes going to come out. They're going to come out on fire. They have to come out on fire because Mahone is getting the ball, you know, opening the second half. You know, they came in and, and they made adjustments. I think uh, as, as, as critical as I've been, uh, uh, you know, with Zach and very, very critical of the defensive coordinator and him not making adjustments. It, yeah. You know, historically, he, he wasn't making adjustments, you yeah. know, and to come out against this dude, Pat Mahomes yeah. and, and come out and, you know, here you got your lineup with four, boom, you rush, you bring back Sam Hubbard and you rush him with three. And now you stop him from doing everything that he did. You keep a smile. He comes this way. Sam Hubbard comes down or the safety comes up. So, you know, that uh, making those adjust, the adjustments, man, were, were fantastic. Uh, you know, and the guys, we, we made the plays when we had to make the plays. Agree. Agree. And I thought that was, the key moment in the AFC championship, Joe, that swung momentum because yeah. the Chiefs, they came out, they scored on their first three possessions of the game. They go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And so in that moment, like the Bengals, I think it was 21-3. They were down 18. Fairman caught the screen, scored a touchdown. And I said to myself, oh, they needed that. Because I thought if they didn't score before the half, I didn't think they were going to be able to overcome the yeah, Chiefs' big deficit in the second half. Yeah. I thought they had to get a touchdown. So that pyramid mm -hmm. touchdown was key. And then on the ensuing possession for the Chiefs, they're driving. And I'm like, okay, the Bengals got to get a stop here. You don't want to go yeah. down. You don't want to go down 2018. You got to get yeah. a stop here. Chiefs get into the red zone. 
it's 21-10. And instead of kicking the field goal, I thought the Chiefs, honestly, they got cocky. They got arrogant. And they tried to deliver the knockout punch to the Bengals and go up 28-10 instead of taking the field goal and going up 24-10. And so when the Bengals got that stop, I know the Bengals had to be thinking, and you say you were there, they had to be thinking, as bad as we have played, we're only down 11. We're only down 11. We got a chance in the second half. And so I agree with you. I thought that was a key momentum shift, you know, when they got that stop at the end of the first half. Oh, yeah. You know, I I can – you can look, I can look at the guys, their demeanor, you know, uh, and how they're walking off the field, how they're on the, you know, talking on the sideline. And you can see a lot of communication, you yeah. know, positive communication on the sideline. So that tells you here, you know, we feel it. Whatever yeah. it is, we got to go and make plays. Defense, let's go make plays. And you can hear after the game with the sound bites, you know, them guys, them guys never thought they were out of it. You know, come yeah. on, you know, Jar Chase, you know, here, man, it just gives me chill. Come on, Joe, let's go. You know, getting on the field. You know, Joe. You know, comes in the huddle. When we score, we're going for two. Not if we score. The dude said, "When we score, yeah. we're gonna go for two. You think about that mindset. You know, that mindset is bigger than you know your your, your physicality, your talent. You know, the, the the mindset that here we're going in with the offensive line that we have. You know, and the offensive line played their ass off compared to what they did in Tennessee. Is it still a weakness for our team? Absolutely. You know, is it going to be vital, you know, and pivotal to, to Sunday's game? Absolutely. But even them, even the offensive line, you know, you've seen something. You've seen them sustain blocks, you know, yeah. because 95 is a beast. Ingram, Ingram is a beast. You know, yeah. they had to block those two guys. Were those guys getting pressure? Yes. But it, it wasn't, they weren't folding and just totally whiffing uh, on, on, on plays like they did in uh, Tennessee. And you just seen that momentum, man. And, you know, each each possession, uh, the the Bengals, you can see the Chiefs playing, getting on their heels. You know, yeah. you can see, you know, on the sideline talking to each other. But, you know, you know, I'm looking at that. That ain't positive. That ain't positive conversation. You know yeah. what I mean? They're bickering because, you know, you know, now we're pointing the finger. You know, how are, how are these dudes? Yeah. These are the Bengals, dude. These are the Bengals. How are we letting them do what they're doing? You know, and, and we, you know, you can see us, you know, hey, man, we got it. We got it. We got it. You know, so it was, man, it, it was, it was, that was a, that was, that was a feeling just like it was, man, when we, uh, we, we beat, uh, beat Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I thought, honestly, Joe, and I got to give a, credit, a lot of credit to defensive coordinator Lou Adamaral and his group, because, <laughs> you know, I thought like there were two times, honestly, where I thought the Bengals were going to lose. I thought when the Chiefs got into the red zone, I thought the Chiefs were going to do to the Bengals what the Bengals did to the Chiefs in the Week 17 game. Remember the, yeah. the Bengals, they bled the clock out, and they left Mahomes no time, no time to yeah. try to make a comeback or tie the game up. And I thought the Chiefs were going to do that same exact thing in the AFC Championship once they got in the red zone. But I give a lot of credit to Trey Henderson and Sam Hubbard. He got the sack on Mahomes on the yeah. third and goal when Mahomes fumbled the football. And I thought the game was going to be over there because I thought the Bengals were going to be able to recover the, yeah. you know, the, the fumble. And mm-hmm. the Chiefs ended up kicking the game-time field goal. But then they went to overtime. And you remember yeah. the previous week, the Chiefs yeah. went to overtime against the Bills. And you had Bills fans complaining because Josh Allen 
didn't get an opportunity to touch yeah. the football in OT. And so you saw Joe Burrow, his facial expression, once they lost the coin toss, he's like, oh, man, like Mahomes is going to get a chance to win the game. And the Bengals defense stepped up again. I, 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 thought, I thought the Chiefs were going to drive down. I'm being honest with you, Joe. I thought they were going to drive down and have a game-winning walk-off touchdown drive. It didn't happen. That Bengals defense stepped up. I, you know, I, I, I thought that they were going to go down and at least, you know, kick a field goal. Our defense had been playing good, man. They were playing sky high. They had a confidence level. So I thought they could keep him out the end zone. But, you know, he's, he's going down, and I think he's going to, you know, think he's going to score, um, you know, at least, at least a field goal. All the fans are, you know, hey, well, we only needed 13 seconds. All we need is 13 seconds. Yeah. So you heard, you heard that walk, and I'm going to the bathroom, you know, right, be, right before um, – you know, before they uh, made the kick to go with the overtime, you know, their fans, you know, hey, we got this. We only need, we only need 30, 13 seconds. So, yeah. you know, I'm saying, okay, all right, you know, let's get yeah. over, you know. I said, you know, at the end of the day, you guys didn't think you were going to get in. You, you didn't think we were going to do this. You know, and I kept telling you, we're going to show up today. So, you yeah. know, it, it, it's that, man. You you can't, no doubt, Pat Mahomes, uh, man, is, you know, great talent, you know, uh, 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 tough to defend. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I think, you know, our defense, um, they were playing at such a high level. Uh, and we had uh, uh, figured out what we can do against him. You know, my, with them, him him scrambling, him, you know, get, getting outside the pocket. That's yeah. when he's there. That's how yeah. they hurt three, three possessions in a row in the first half. He's out, he's out of pocket. You know, he's making plays. Um, our, our defensive backs were playing their ass off. And I don't care who you are. You can't cover for that long. No. You see, and so you know here it was it was the D line. We were putting we were getting pressure, you know, uh, uh, but we were inverting the line of scrimmage. So when I say that Trey Hendrickson uh, or, or Sam, they would go so far high on the outside of the, the offensive tackle, and therefore you you created such a space between the defensive tackle and you. So you know if you guys if you're not inverting the line of scrimmage, you and the defensive tackle are staying close. When you Agreed. try to go around, now he has. You know, five yards between you and, and the defensive end that's way up the field, you're inverting the line of scrimmage. So now he has another huge passing lane. We cut down, we, we limited his passing lanes. We stayed disciplined in, in our pass rush. Uh, first half, guys, we were trying to meet, we were trying to beat the guard, trying to beat the tackle. And when you do yeah. that, you invert the line of scrimmage. So you create space. So you see a lot of it right. here. You couldn't beat them on that first, that first move. Let's play soft. And that's what they did. With these guys, we dropped Sam back. You know, and therefore now he's contained, yeah. you know, he, you're con and, and that's what happened. And, you know, that's how they played, uh, you know, in, in overtime, you know, and we were fortunate uh, for, you know, Bates to make a, you know, hell of a play. And, and, you know, it was, it was a great even play by Von Bell because you're, you're looking and you're looking at Bates and yeah. the ball, it's a reaction, you know, so it was great yeah. for him, you know, catching that ball because you, you've seen Eli Apple, uh, he literally threw the ball right to him. He did. And, and I, and I can honestly say, I looked at my wife and I said, damn, Lewis Billups. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. You know, Lewis in our Super Bowl. Joe Montana threw the ball right. Even, even uh, worse than what, what Pat Mahomes, all we threw it to Eli. He threw yeah. the ball right. Billups, Billups, uh, he gets an interception. We win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it was, it was kind of eerie at that time. And, you know, it's kind of on my heels like, oh, man, that was the play. You know, yeah. but let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, so, you know, those guys. You know, they, they kept they kept fighting, man. They kept fighting. Yeah, and just to give you some context, 
the in the second half of the AFC Championship, this is Patrick Mahomes. He went eight of 18, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. His passer rating, Joe, was 12. So yeah. for that Bills defense, you know, this is the second time it happened. That Bengals defense in two games in the second half, they held the high-powered Chiefs offense to only six points. You remember in week 17, they held them only three points in the second half in that game. So as much credit as we give the Bengals elite offense for being where they are, we got to give some credit to Lou Adamaroff and his group for playing at a high level and having them where they are right now. Man, I can't say enough about the job they have done. Sam Hubbard up front, Henderson up front linebackers logan wilson he had the interception you know in the divisional round matchup against the titans and then i like they safeties joe i like jesse bates and and von bell honestly joe i gotta be honest with you though i i i think the Bengals cornerbacks are suspect eli apple is suspect to me joe i I thought he i thought he had a chance for a pick six to end the game in overtime what you think about their cornerbacks aruze and 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 hilton I, I think the, I think those guys are playing just as well as any corner in the league. You know, Eli Apple, you know, honestly, you have a healthy $44 million dude sitting on the bench, uh, Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes. You know, uh, and Eli, uh, is, is he the weakest link? Was he the weakest link all season? Absolutely. Yeah. But even his play, his play, the other other players, other corners, you know, Von Bell and, and, and Bates, have allowed him to elevate his game. Um, will they target him? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yes. When you look at, you know, if I'm an offensive coordinator, where can we go? You know, where's their weakness? It's Eli Apple. Yes. You know, here we're going to put, you know, Mike Hilton. You know, that's 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 going to be a matchup. But there's only been three three passes completed against Mike Hilton. You know, so Mike Hilton is going to be uh, a key to you know Sunday's game because you know got cut man you know and uh, he's the pulse of their 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 offense you know so uh, I don't think you know Eli will be on outside and uh, you know Mike Hilton's going to be in, in the slot you know yeah. so that's that's going to be that's going to be the matchup you know I don't I don't I think they are going to try and go you know you got to go go to your guy you know yeah. so um, I don't I don't think you know they're going to target Eli as, as much but. You know, it, honestly, even with Eli, he's elevated his game enough to keep a healthy Trey Wayne's, you know, that they're, you know, with this monster contract he got, you know, on 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 the bench. They're playing so well. If you take Eli Apple and you put Trey Wayne's in, you know, honestly, that can affect the continuity, you know, yeah. here. They've been vibing with this dude. You know, now you bring a guy who really hasn't, you know, giving you much, and then they put him in the game because of the, the amount of money that he's he's played. A lot of situations in the NFL, you see that happen. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I give kudos to those guys saying, okay, hey, we're going to keep our best DBs on the field. That's why uh, Trey Waynes is on the bench and Eli, Eli is still playing. 11 seasons in the NFL, former NFL linebacker, played four years here with the hometown Cincinnati Bengals, talking some Super Bowl with Joe Kelly. So, Joe, a couple more questions for you. I'm going to let you get out of here. So, also, um, defense, who do you believe, if you had to say one player, one player, who do you believe is the X factor for the Bengals defense? Just one player. Hendrickson. Yeah, Hendrickson, no doubt. You know, you getting pressure on, on, on Stafford, um, you know, can change the, the out, outcome of the game. I think, you know, if, if he uh, has the, the type of game that he's been having, he, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have to have a special – you know, play better than he's ever played before. 
play like you play. Put pressure, uh, you know, on those guys. Uh, you know, collapse the pocket. You know, and 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 stay in your in your passing. Uh, you know, your your rush lanes. If anybody, I, I think he's going to be the key. Uh, you know, to to us um, coming out victorious. Now you know, as great as Cooper Cup is, Joe, and I believe Cooper Cup had the best season in the NFL as far as receivers. Now Odell Beckham has reemerged as a great weapon for this Rams offense in the NFC Championship game. Nine receptions, 113 receiver yards. So even if you shut down Cooper Cup to where he doesn't have a breakout game and doesn't go crazy, you still got to contain OBJ. Absolutely. You know, I, I look at, I thought Tennessee's wide receivers were, were going to pose a bigger problem. Uh, than yeah. these two guys. Even, you know, Cup having a great, great year that he has. OBJ is OBJ. But yeah. you understand here, when we played San Diego, we have, we have problems against big, physical, fast receivers. And Tennessee had, you know, Brown and Julio Jones. Those right. were linebackers playing wide yeah. receivers. Yeah. And, we were, and we, were, we were able to contain them. So uh, OBJ is not going to run past any of our corners. You know, he's going to catch the ball if you throw it to him. His position is just like Jamar Chase. You know, um, doesn't matter if they got Jalen Ramsey. He's able to position by his body uh, in, in, in a way to keep uh, the, the ball between uh, him him uh, and, and, and have the, you know, cornerback, you know, on the side of him. See at the touchdown of Kansas City, he was able to position his body so the corner couldn't make the play. The corner's behind him. You know, yeah. so OBJ is really good like that. I'm not expecting us to, to shut those guys out. Um, they, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be. Don't give OBJ an eighty to eighty yard. You know. Yeah. Cup, Cup is gonna make his catches. Okay. Right. Ten, yeah. Ten, catches. yeah. Ten, ten receptions. Fine. When he when he catches the ball, tackle. You yeah. know. Don't allow him to to make you know four or five plays where he's getting you know ten. 20 yards after the catch. Nobody's going to reinvent the wheel. Now it's about going out there, executing, and stopping the big plays. Uh, and, and in my opinion, we were able to contain Tyreek Hill, who I think is just, you know, I, him, to me, that, that's the most dangerous dude be, 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 besides Debo in, in, in San Francisco that can really, you know, pose a, a crazy matchup. Because Don't forget about my receiver, Devontae Adams now, Joe. Oh, Don't no, forget about Devontae yeah. Adams. Well, no, Devontae, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. I agree. Okay. You know, he's the best, yeah. he's best football receiver in football to me, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but when when you say here, trying to match up against a Tyreek Hill, it doesn't matter who you got. Right. You just, it doesn't matter who you The dude is just incredible. Uh, Debo, you know, just a matchup, matchup one-on-one, you know. Um, you know, and that just leaves the credence to your guy, how good he is as being the most complete best receiver in football. I believe Devontae Adams is that. Uh, but, you know, when I'm defensive coordinator uh, and I'm going to get Tyreek Hill, I'm getting no sleep the night yeah. before the game. Yeah, see, I, think the, yeah I agree with you. I agree with you, Joe, for sure. Mm -hmm. I see, I think the Bengals actually, we're talking about Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup. Bengals have struggled against opposing teams' tight ends this year defensively, Joe. Yeah. Like yeah. Darren Waller in the Week 11 matchup against the Raiders, seven receptions, 116 mm -hmm. receiving yards. Week 14. George Kittle, he got off on him, 13 receptions, 151 receiving yards, one touchdown. And in the yeah. AFC Championship, Travis Kelsey had 10 receptions, 95 receiving yards, one touchdown. So I think it's going to be important for the Bengals to contain Tyler Higby. I think he's questionable in this game. He's, he's but questionable. I think it's going to be important for that, the linebacker. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, he's, he's going, I mean, our guys are questionable as well, Uzama. Uh, but I, I think Uzama has a better chance of, of, of playing and being more effective than Hig Higby's. You know, his, his injury is, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a game time decision as well. You know, my, I think the key to, to us is going to, uh, you know, stopping uh, Odell from, you know, getting that 50 plus yard reception uh, and, and stopping uh, Cup from, uh, you know, making uh, yards after catch. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to play solid against against the, the run. You know, uh, Sonny Michelle, yeah, those guys, he, he comes downhill, he runs downhill. He's a yeah. downhill. I don't believe in that Rams rushing attack, though, Joe. They're they, they not a no dynamic but, team that run the football. No, no, they, like but they, they do that to control the clock. Correct. You know, Correct. So the game, we, we keep it out of Joey B's hands. You know, yeah. that's how, you know, so it's going to be, it's, it's going to, can they run? As, as Sonny Michelle had some, some good games, yes. Are they, they, uh, you know, you don't go into the, the against the Rams and say, "Oh, we," you know, their their their, their running game is, is is one of the top running games, you know, in the league because it, it's not. But right. you know, it's it's there's there's some games throughout the season where you see their uh, uh, run game was able to allow them to control the clock uh, and keep the ball out of the other the opposing team's hands. So you know, yeah. they're going they're going to have to do that as well. You know, they're they're not just going to beat us and and you know. He he he's he's throwing fifty eight times. I think if he's throwing fifty eight times, I think we have a, a really good chance. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball real quick, Joe. Before you get out of here, mm -hmm. he's been to eight Pro Bowls, seven time first team All Pro player, three time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I believe he's the best defensive player in this generation, Aaron Donald. <laughs> I think he's the best player on the field in this Super Bowl matchup. <laughs> what do you believe, Zach Taylor? And the Bengals need to do offensively to protect Burrow from getting hit by Aaron Donald in this game. He is who he is. Like you said, there's, there's no doubt, you know, that he's he's been the most dominant defensive player, uh, you know, since, you know, Reggie White, LT. He's in that category. And you, you play with you play with Reggie White. We played together in Green Bay. I've witnessed it as, as an opponent, you know, uh, yeah. throughout my career, but I was able to witness it. You know, up front being being uh you know his teammate. Um, so you go in, you go into he's he's a guy that you have to adjust your game plan. You yeah. know, he's a that's like going against LT. You know, you had to adjust what you're doing. So here, um, there's gonna be you know a lot of uh, uh running backs, the running backs gonna play a vital part, you know, because here we're gonna we're gonna when we do that. Uh, you you can see because they they got the other other monster over there, Von Miller. You know yeah. he's older, he's older. Yeah. You know, but we can chip him. You can chip him. You know, with the tight end, slowing down, get out in coverage, uh, get out get out in, in, in passing lanes. Uh, but Donald, uh, we're gonna double him. You're gonna you're gonna keep on um, passing situation. You'll keep Samaji in there. You know, and Samaji's job is going to be there, be there when he beats yeah. the guard. Not, not, not if when he beats the guard. I need you to get in there and just slowing down. Yeah. That's it. Slowing, slowing down. Uh, I, I think he's going to get in. I think he's going to be disruptive. In my opinion, uh, Tennessee had the has the best front four defensively in football. They're, yeah. they're all four across the board. Uh, the Rams have the uh, best player. Uh, and, you know, close to having, you know, uh, the best duo with uh, him and, and Von Miller. You know, yeah. if, Von Miller, if Von Miller is on his game in 99, if we allow them to uh, dictate what we're going to do, 
uh, it can be it can be a long day uh, for a Bingo Nation. But uh, like I said here, we can know we you know this dude was sacked nine times. You know, so I don't yeah. foresee nine sacks, but I you know I foresee him. Uh, um, you know, Joe Joey B is going to have to be quick uh, getting the ball out. You know, he's going to have to uh, understand when when Aaron Donald beats the guy on the first on the first move. Yeah, boom, you got to make a decision. He's there, so boom. Yeah. You see down if you're doing that. If you're doing that, okay. Or we have an alternative. When he beats this guy, boom. You know, tight end stop. Bop. You know, four yards, three yards. Boom. You know, you're yeah. gonna have to do that. You know, rather than allow him to really uh, start dictating the pace of the game and, right. and what doing, because you can slow him down. And you know, you can see. You know, even last week they were they were lined. And he he lined up across the board. You know, he, he lined up in the in the zero technique, a one technique, three technique, a five technique. He yep. was he was all over, and um, they're going to do that as well. They're going to, you know, we have weaknesses on offensive line, and they're going to try and exploit all of them. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you, uh, Joe. And because like Aaron Donald, he already lost one Super Bowl. He ain't trying to lose another Super Bowl, Joe. <laughs> like and like you said, Von Miller. I saw Von Miller win Super Bowl MVP and completely dominate the Super Bowl when the Denver Broncos beat Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. And like you said, it, 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 it ain't just them, though. You got Leonard Floyd. You got Greg Gaines at nose tackle. But I think one of the keys in this game is going to be, honestly, offensively for the Bengals, Joe, it's going to be their running back, Joe Mixon. And, yeah. you know, for, for the Bengals in the postseason, right, last well, two weeks ago against the Chiefs, Joe Mixon, 21 carries, 88 rushing yards, he ain't had no touchdowns, but I actually thought on that last possession when they kicked the game with a field goal, I thought Joe Mixon was was running with force. It, it's, he was he wanted, he wanted to get in that end zone and have a game winning walk off touchdown instead of a game winning field goal. I think he's going to be key because that's how you slow down an elite pass rush when you can yeah. run the football and also throw screens and have run hand, hand, halfback draws to your running back. So I think Joe Mixon is going to be very, very important for this Bengals game plan heading into this game for success. And, and as much uh, credit as uh, Joe, Joey B and Jamar and all those guys, I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon gets his, his credit, but he's, he's pivotal. You know, each yeah. game, if, if Joe doesn't run for 80 some yards, you know, in both games and uh, divisional playoff and, and the AFC championship, we, we, we don't get there. When you talk about the Rams, the Rams have been susceptible to, you know, a, a, a running attack. I think here uh, you will get to a situation where now once you go first series, second series, now you can see, OK, this was what the Rams are trying to do to us. You know, so now, OK, Aaron Donald, they're going to put it here. OK, who? Boom. Aaron's over here. Boom. We're going to run a quick, you know, quick dive. Boom. You know, or, you know, here they're, they they run a lot of uh, stretch read plays and, uh here you can come on chip on this guy, you know. Now if if you know uh, Aaron Donald can, you can read the one said hey, this is something to run. So this guy he can beat, you know, guys so quick on a, on a, on a, on a, just the one move. Here yeah. once you see that, and now you know it's check with me. Okay, he's here. He's a, he's over our, our right right guard. Okay, boom. We're we're gonna run a stretch lead, and we're gonna expect him to beat this guy. And and when he beats the guy, he has to come around. Boom. We come back, and there's a cut. There's a there's a cutback lane. You know, yeah. so you know, we're gonna, you know, we got we got to do everything. We have to execute. 
um, uh, you know, running, we got to execute, you know, our pass blocking, you know, I, I'm not saying here, the only way we can beat the Rams is that we have to have the greatest game, you know, no, we don't, we just yeah. keep doing what we're doing, keep doing right. what we're doing, you know, make some plays, defense, you know, uh, make some stops, you know, Stafford is a quarterback yeah. that will throw you the ball, yeah. a quarterback to throw you the ball, yeah. you know, yep. can, can he put up numbers? Absolutely, you know, will he throw you the ball? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He had 17, 17 interceptions, Joe, this year, yeah. which was yeah. tied for the most in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll throw, you know, then they, he's, he's an elite quarterback. Uh, he's the reason, you know, why they are where they are, because if they had Jared Goff, they wouldn't be where they are right now. Uh, just like we didn't have Joe Burrow. You think about, you know, Brett Farr, you know, you know, Brett, Brett I played with Brett, yeah. you know, Brett's a gunsling. Yeah. Brett will throw you the ball because he, he's, he's going to try to make that play. Yeah, you know, he's so confident in his arm strength, you know, uh, that he's going to go. He's going to throw it in your coverage, you know, hoping that his guy can make a play. And and Stafford has done that, uh, you know. And I mean, you look at Joe. Joe made Joe made a, He had a bad. He had a bad ball against Kansas City. You know, that was a bad uh, interception. You know, it was a bad pass. Yeah, you know, it was a bad read. So, uh, but you know, I I think uh, you know Joey Joey B is going to make less mistakes than Stafford. You know, and I. I, I be a key. I agree. And I think T. Higgins is also a key factor for the Bengals, too, Joe, because in the AFC Championship game, Jamar Chase, the Chiefs defense, they had held him to six receptions, only 54 receiving yards. One t- he did have one touchdown, though, but T. Higgins stepped up six receptions, 103 receiving yards. So I think T. Higgins has proven himself to be a, a great, worthy number two receiver in this Bengals offense. So he's going to be key as well. Is Uzama going to play? Yeah, yeah, he's gonna play. He's gonna okay. play. He's, uh, you know, he practiced uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, you can see his uh, his brace on. Uh, you know, I mean, it's tough. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I tore my MCL before, and I was out a week. Uh, so, you know, he's had a week to to uh, you know heal. Uh, he's not. It's not. You know, you're not gonna be healthy. You know, 100. But like I said, we, we with him, you're gonna. You're going to need his leadership. You're going to need him. In my opinion, Huzam is, is the post of our team. You yeah. know, he's a so you look at, you know, uh, post-game celebration. He's the guy that's bringing up. When they're walking out on the field, he's the he's the guy that, that's getting his team ready to go, you know, yeah. has great encouraging words, you know. So just him being out there and playing uh, is going to be a huge lift, you know, for the team. Um, so, you know, I mean, we just – we got to make plays. You know, we got to be solid. Um, you know, we don't, we don't need Hosama to, to catch it and run, you know, 15 yards, you know, here, let's ding the five yards, seven yards, five yards, seven yards, yeah. you know, like, like that, you know, um, you know, and, and, uh, with, with that being said, I'm telling you, Tyler Boyd, Tyler yeah. Boyd, Tyler Boyd doesn't drop the ball. Tyler Boyd is going to be pivotal because I, I think our three receivers, match up well even with Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey is, is he is who he is it's like Aaron Donald their other guys are just guys why don't even retire for two years yeah and they signed him three weeks ago yeah you signed him three weeks ago you know so they do they are they are and will be susceptible to uh some big plays by us you know yeah. so you know the, you you can't worry about you know Jalen making plays you know Aaron uh Donald making plays they're gonna make plays you know yeah. but we're gonna make, we're gonna make plays as well so um, you know, just going and 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 compete, compete like they've been competing. Live here on the Wise Guy Sports Show with Joe Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengal, play on the Bengals Super Bowl team. 
with Boomer Esiason and Icky Woods as well. Two more questions for you, Joe. Fill in the blank for me. What's the one thing that has to happen for the Bengals to win this game? One thing that has to happen for them to win this game. No turnovers. Okay. Okay. Now, it's predict it's prediction time on the Wise Guys Sports Show, Joe. Yeah. Who wins this game? Give me a score prediction and give me a Super Bowl MVP. Bengals, 28-24. Uh, uh, Super Bowl MVP is, is Joe Shiesty. Number nine, baby. Joe Shiesty. Either him or the shooter. He's a confident guy. So, you know, he's he's put us in this position and, and it may come down to him again. But I say, you know, 28-24, you know, and, and uh, we come on with the Lombardi, man. First Lombardi in franchise history. Crazy, 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 crazy. Like, you know, you, crazy. Play, you play on the Super Bowl team, like, oh, man. Like, I know, is Icky, Icky out there? Icky Woods, he out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah we're, we're, we're about to do an interview uh, going down there. We're meeting uh, Icky and uh, Munoz uh, okay. in, uh, shoot, in an hour and a half downtown. So uh, with Cherie Palo, um, uh, I think she's 20, Channel 12, 29, one of them. So, yeah, he's he's down there, man. So, uh, you know, you got a lot of guys, Mike Martin uh, is down, Stanford Jennings, Isaac Curtis, you know, uh, Lewis Breeden. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, me and uh, Crummy, Crummy, we're on the same flight. You know, okay. coming on the being being starters, so you know, Crummy's here. You know, it's just it's a lot of guys, and and I think you know, especially you know, you have a lot of you know, uh, uh, you know, great bingo players, individual players throughout the years. Um, but you 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 don't. There's only uh, there's only been two special teams. You know that that eighty the eighty one team and and uh, you know the eighty eight team that yeah. can really relate and feel that. I, I think that's why we have such a connection with what's happening on that on the playoff run you know 88 89 and, and you see it man it just you just seeing it you snowballing and you see that snowball get yep. bigger and bigger you know my thing is here you know it's uh it's a snowball coming down a hill it's rolling and it's gonna be hard to stop you know it's yep. uh, the rams are, are a great team yeah they're in the super bowl yeah you know they're nfc champs so you know every everything's a challenge you know but it's gonna be you know come down no no turnovers you know 80 yards rushing um you know, come back. We do another show. We 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 do do another. One more question for you, John. I'm gonna let you go. So we know the Super Bowl is in LA. It's at SoFi Stadium, and so it's they're playing the Super Bowl in the Rams Stadium. So the Rams this week they get to sleep in their own beds, and they are in their own city. This is the second time it, that this has happened in consecutive seasons. You remember last year the Buccaneers had the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Yeah. So you playing in the NFL, talk about how much of an advantage it is for the Rams this week compared to the Bengals who are sleeping in hotels and had to travel out west for four hours on the flight. You know, it's it's my my thing that's the semantics, man. It's it's it is what it is because you got to still play the game. You know, yeah. are they are they more comfortable? But you got to understand, you know, this team is comfortable being on the road. This team is comfortable, you know, playing, you know, away from home. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's that, you know, we, we are, uh, even though we're the designated home team, um, you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same for us. We're, we, we've been uh, a great uh, road, uh, road team uh, uh, playing uh, a team uh, this yeah. year. Um, uh, so, you know, but at, at the end of the day, when you look at it, you can look at it, you know, two different ways. Hindsight, they're comfortable. It's the Super Bowl. So they're feeling a comfortable zone, just like Kansas City. You yeah. know, you, walk, you walked into the stadium, you know, and 
uh, there, there was a great friend. She had some great friends, but it was, you know, hey, you guys, you know, tap great, great season. You guys have, you guys are two years ahead of where you are, you know. And I'm looking at it like, dude, you know, you know, we just beat you yeah. three weeks ago. Come on, man, you know, well, great, you know, great season. So it's that, and you know, there can be a, a sense of, you know, we're comfortable, we're at home, you know, we're favorite, you know, and next thing you know, somebody come, you know, punch you in the mouth. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now you now you like, oh, yeah. you know, oh, you know, so it, it's that, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, that can work in uh, into our advantage. And, and Joe, honestly, I'm listening to the media all week, even the media, they are still counting the Bengals out. Like, yeah. and, 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 and like, I think the Rams have all the pressure on yeah. them heading yeah. into this game. They traded for Matthew Stafford in the offseason. They brought in Von Miller. They brought in Odell Beckham. And they got one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history on that team. I think the Rams are playing with so much pressure in this game. You compare that to the Bengals, who are two years ahead of schedule. Bengals playing with house money. Even if the Bengals lose, they are playing with house money. And so I'm surprised that so many media members are still counting this Bengals team out. They still count them out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at this, this team, this team is Super Bowl victory or bust. Yeah. Uh, when you go out and look at what they paid uh, Jalen Ramsey, when you you look at them getting getting Stafford, getting Von Miller, you know, getting Odell, they paid to win the Super Bowl. Yes. You know, Bengals went the conventional way. The pressure is on them because they're in a situation where not getting to the Super Bowl is an option. They have to win the Super Bowl based on what they did. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, here, I'm, I'm betting it all. Yeah. You know, it's, we're all in, you know, all the money, but the, the mortgage, the house, the business, everything is on. And we're rolling, we're rolling right in. So either, either we going to hit seven, you know, 11, oh, we going to crap out. Yeah. You know, with us, man, it's, you know, it's a game, man. We're in the Super Bowl. You know, we're not expected. We're not expected to win. Nobody expecting us to win. You right. know, so let's go out, man. Let's 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 play loose. Let's play fun. You know, and let's make plays. You know, that's it. You know, like, yeah. it, it, it's you know, it is like uh, you said. It's not you know why not us? It is us. Yeah. And they and they believe that. Agreed. You know, so I, I think that that that's that man. That's that's huge. That's huge. Just how they feel about that. And, and what's your score? What's your Score again 28 28 24. Who they nation bring it back yeah, to Lombardi? Okay, but you got you got it close, you got it close though. It's gonna be a yeah. battle. Oh, oh it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be close, it's gonna be close. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a battle. He played 11 seasons in the NFL. Four of those seasons he played with the hometown Cincinnati Bengals. He's a former NFL linebacker, great friend of the show, Joe Kelly. Joe, I appreciate you coming on, wise guys on the Worldwide Sports Network. I want to bring you on again here next week, and we can talk about the game and recap the, the, the game. I appreciate you coming on. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks, Trey. All right, Joe, I appreciate it. I'm going to see you All also. Right. I'm, have a good one. All right, all right. Who day, baby? That was Joe Kelly, former NFL linebacker, joining me on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Great interview from Joe, man. He was a part of that Bengals 1988 Super Bowl team with Boomer Esiason, with Icky Woods that went on – to the Super Bowl, and they lost to Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. That's why you saw a lot of Bengal fans. They wanted the Niners to win the NFC Championships. They get their rematch. So appreciate Joe for joining the show. Let's transition, and let's 
talk about the big trade that took place yesterday in the NBA as the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, they made a blockbuster trade as the Brooklyn Nets, they get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks, and the Philadelphia 76ers, they get James Harden and Paul Millsap. This was from Chris Haynes. He tweeted this when it comes to Ben Simmons now being in Brooklyn. He said Brooklyn will take its time getting Ben Simmons acclimated, but the star guard welcomes a change of scenery and has already had conversations with Kevin Durant, and they're all on the same page. That's what Lee Sources told my man Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. And this was uh, Michael Lee on Twitter. He tweeted yesterday uh, at 10.02 a.m. He said he got a text from a former NBA player this morning. They said, quote, Harden's going to have a hard time getting a former teammate to introduce him at his Hall of Fame introduction. So everyone's talking about who won this trade. Was it the Sixers or was it the Nets? And before I get into that, I want to say that James Harden is a bailer. And I went on my live yesterday and I talked about how James Harden honestly should have remained more patient with his situation in Brooklyn. And let me explain why. On the season, James Harden, he's averaging 23 points per game, eight rebounds per game, 10 assists per game on 41% shooting from the floor. But I thought earlier in the season, James Harden wasn't the same James Harden that we've seen in previous years in Houston. And last year, before he got traded to Brooklyn, he showed up to camp fat, out of shape, not ready to play basketball. And so we all knew that it was only a matter of time when Harden was going to be traded away from the Houston Rockets. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, because we know it was going to happen. And so I believe that James Harden was in a situation where he could have shown us that he is still one of the best players in the NBA, a top five player. Because even James Harden this year, even though I believe he's been struggling, the man's still averaging over 23 points per game. But I don't believe James Harden has been playing at an elite level like a top five player. And so my issue with Harden was, I know the Brooklyn Nets, they have been struggling. The Brooklyn Nets, they lost last night to the Washington Wizards. And the Brooklyn Nets, they have lost 10 straight games. 10 straight games, Brooklyn Nets have lost. So Harden was in the mix of a nine-game losing streak in Brooklyn. And I know Kevin Durant has been out since the beginning of the calendar year in 2022. And I know Harden is upset because Kyrie Irving is only playing in part-time games, and that's on the road. Kyrie Irving is not playing in home games at the Barkley Center. And so when you look at Harden and the situation with the Brooklyn Nets, when the big three has played together, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, they are 13-3. and three, So they've won 81% of their games. Since Kyrie was playing on a part-time basis and Kevin Durant is injured right now, 
I thought this was an opportunity for James Harden to show why he is still universally recognized as a top five player. Because I thought the Brooklyn Nets, you know, even though they've been struggling, if you have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving in a playoff series, I believe the Brooklyn Nets will be favorites against every team in the Eastern Conference, every team except maybe the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee would be the only team that I would even consider that could beat the Brooklyn Nets if Harden, KD, and Kyrie are all healthy. And so I thought the fact that Harden bailed on the Brooklyn Nets and couldn't remain patient, I believe that shows you the caliber of player that James Harden is. When everything is great and you're winning games, he's all in. But the minute that you have adversity, and you're going to have adversity, in sports, you're going to have that. It's going to happen. It's a part of the journey to greatness. But for him to bail on this Brooklyn Nets organization, Sean Marks, general manager, head coach Steve Nash, I think, honestly, this would be a blemish on James Harden's legacy. Like, and I don't, I honestly look at James Harden. Now that he's in Philly, right? You look at him in Philly. This is the Philadelphia 76ers potential starting lineup. James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel B. I think Joel B has been playing some great basketball. I think Joel B is the best player in the NBA right now. Right now, I think Joel B is the best player in the NBA. That's how dominant Joel B has been. And he's leading the NBA in scoring right now. He's averaging 29 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, four assists on 50% shooting from the floor. That's how dominant Joel Embiid has been. And I've said for years that when he's engaged, Joel Embiid is the best big man in the game. And we've seen Anthony Davis for the last, you know, two years since they won the championship. Anthony Davis has not played at the level that we're accustomed to seeing Anthony Davis play at. And I think Joel Embiid wants it more. And everybody going to say Giannis, oh yeah, I don't look at Giannis as being a big. I think Giannis can do everything. When I say bigs, I'm talking about Nikola Jokic, Joel B, Anthony Davis, you know, like that's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about a big man. And I think Joel B is the best big man in the game. And I think Joel B is a player who can win a championship as a number one option. And we've seen James Harden in the past. He's had playoff failures when he was in Houston. So I think James Harden has a ton of pressure on him to win in a city of brotherly love with the Philadelphia 76ers. He got a ton of pressure. And we're going to see if he's going to be able to get it done. The way he forced his way out of Houston, the way he forced his way out of Brooklyn, scouts are going to be looking at James Harden to see if he can finally capture a championship in Philly. So that's going to be key. That's going to be key. Like, I want to see if James Harden is going to be able to live up to his name and deliver a championship for the Philadelphia 76ers. I wasn't a fan of how he basically got out of Brooklyn and forced his way to Philly. I wasn't feeling it. I thought he should have been a little bit more patient with the Brooklyn Nets in their situation. Because I think if they have Kyrie, Katie, and Hart in a series, I think they are the favorites over every other team in the East except the Milwaukee Bucks. And I still think they can beat the Milwaukee Bucks. You remember last year in the series with the Bucks and the Bucks in the Nets, in game two, the Nets blew out the Bucks by 40, by 40. 
So don't tell me a healthy Kyrie Irving, a healthy Kevin Durant, and a healthy James Harden can't beat Giannis and Middleton in a playoff series. Because I think they proved that they can last year. Kevin Durant dragged the Brooklyn Nets to a game seven overtime by himself. By himself with a hobble James Harden. Because James Harden was ineffective in that series because he was dealing with a hamstring injury and Kyrie Irving had already had the season-ending ankle injury. Kevin Durant dragged them to the to game seven against the eventual NBA champions. So I think that Brooklyn Nets team could have won a championship. And I thought James Harden should have been a little bit more patient with the Brooklyn Nets and their situation. But he wanted out. I think he's a bailer. And whenever the going gets tough, James Harden will bail on you. He did it to Houston, but that was justified because I don't think the Houston Rockets were championship contenders, and he did it to the Brooklyn Nets again. This year and next year, the player that has the most pressure to win an NBA championship is James Harden. Now, we talk about this trade and who won this trade. See, I believe this change of scenery is going to be good for Ben Simmons. We know that Ben Simmons has limitations offensively and he can't shoot. But there were two places where I thought if Ben Simmons gets traded to those particular teams, him not being able to shoot won't matter. Those two teams were the Golden State Warriors and Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, in Golden State, you would need Ben Simmons to shoot because you got the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history in the Splash Brothers and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So you wouldn't need Ben Simmons to be able to shoot. You don't need it. You need him to be a playmaker, create open shots for Steph and Klay, and you need him to play great defense for the Golden State Warriors with his great athleticism. Also, in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they are terrific shooters as well. So you don't need Ben Simmons to be a good shooter. You don't even need him to be an average shooter. You can allow Ben Simmons to play his role and do what he does best, which is create opportunities for others because he's a great passer. Ben Simmons is one of the best passers we have in the NBA. He reminds me a lot of LeBron James at setting other guys up for open shots. So you can put him in the dunker spot. You can put him at the point guard position and let him run the offense and get the ball to a Kevin Durant, to a Joe Harris, to a Seth Curry, where he also picked up in this deal, who's a very, very important piece. He is an important piece for this Brooklyn Nets team moving forward as a shooter. So I like Ben Simmons on the Brooklyn Nets. And then defensively, I like what he brings to the table for this Brooklyn Nets team. They're different now with Ben Simmons than they, than they were previously with James Harden. Because I, I didn't think anyone could stop the Brooklyn Nets offensively because they had three of the most gifted scores in NBA history offensively. But now if Kyrie Irving can start playing in home games and Kevin Durant comes back and is healthy, watch out for this Brooklyn Nets team. Watch out. They got shooters in Seth Curry and Joe Harris who can hit perimeter shots. And they got a top two player in the NBA in Kevin Durant. And they also got a closer in Kyrie Irving. If KD comes back and he's healthy and Kyrie can play in home games, the Brooklyn Nets will be a contender in the Eastern Conference. Now, although I 
feel like James Harden bailed on the Brooklyn Nets. Him being in Philly is great. I think that's going to be a great duo with James Harden and Joel Embiid. I think that's the best duo in the NBA. Talk about duos in the NBA, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry. I believe James Harden and Joel B deserves to be at the top of that list when you talk about best duos in the NBA. And in this trade, they were able to keep, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. We know Tobias Harris, he is a nice role player. He's not a star, but he's a nice role player on a championship contender. And they're led by Doc Rivers, a proven NBA head coach. Now, Doc Rivers needs, needs to prove he can win a championship without Ray Allen, without Paul Pierce, without Kevin Garnett. But Doc Rivers is a proven NBA head coach. So I, I think the Philadelphia 76ers are a better team today than they were yesterday before this trade. But that doesn't take away from the fact that James Harden is a bailer because he's a bailer. He really, really is. And he better deliver on a championship to the Philadelphia 76ers. We don't remember James Harden forcing his way out of two situations in consecutive years. It's the second consecutive year that James Harden has forced his way out of a situation. So I, I, I like the Sixers team. I like the Nets as well. I think the favorites right now in the East are the defending NBA champion. Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, I've been watching the Milwaukee Bucks the last the last few games, and they dominated the Lakers in Staples the other night. I know everyone's calling it Crypto Arena. I'm, I'm still calling it Staples. That's the home that the late great Kobe Bryant built. But Milwaukee they got popped last night by the Phoenix Suns, you know, in Phoenix. But I like the way Milwaukee has been playing lately, and Giannis completely dominated Anthony Davis in that matchup the other night. But I think the Milwaukee Bucks are the favorites in the East right now. But be on the lookout for, for the Miami Heat as well. Jimmy Butler and Bam, we're about to get into the second half of the season. They're led by a, a, a good head coach in Spolster, who's won an NBA championship already. But, you know, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, I don't believe in Cleveland yet. I know everyone's talking about how, 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 how good Cleveland has been this year. I don't believe Cleveland has a true number one option to be a true championship contender. I just don't. I like their team. I like Karis LeVert. You know, I like them bringing in a veteran presence like Rajon Rondo. Okay. Like I, I, I like what Cleveland is doing right now. I really, really do. And they have been the NBA's most improved team. Seriously. They've been the most improved team from last year to this year. I mean, on their team, they got Jared Allen, a nice presence at center. And they got Darius Garland as well. I just don't think they have a true number one option to be a true championship contender, but they got some nice pieces. They got some nice pieces. They are one scoring option away from being a true championship contender. They can get someone in the offseason, but to come to Cleveland, which is going to be hard because nobody want to go to Cleveland because it's too damn cold, you know, They'll be a true championship contender. But, yeah, those are my favorites right now in the East. Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, and Miami. But I think Milwaukee are the clear-cut number one favorites in the Eastern Conference right now. He's a founder, president, and executive director 
at Get Everything You Foundation. Also has coached at the high school level, former co-host of the Wise Guys Sports Show. It's my big brother, Brian Westbrook. What's up, B-West? What do you have on? I am like dumbfounded right now that you even have that on right now. It was a it was a bet. It was a bet. Me and my cousin made a bet in the oh regular my. season. Oh and my the bet God. the bet was the bet was B West that whichever team makes it farther in the playoffs, then you gotta wear that team's jersey. So like if the Packers would have made it farther than the Bengals, he had to wear a Packers jersey. But because my Packers flamed out in in, in the divisional round against the Niners, here I am having to wear a Joe Burrow jersey on my show today. So yeah, I, I'm not used to wearing this. Obviously it's, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable wearing this. You don't even look right at that. Dog. I don't, I don't. I look better in green and gold. No, you just don't look right at that. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. I want to screenshot this so bad. This is great. This is, this just made my day. If we lose Sunday, this, this made my day. This made your day. <laughs> I was not, I was not expecting this, like, at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, let's get right to it, B-West. We know, we know the, your Cincinnati Bengals, the hometown Cincinnati Bengals, they are trying to capture their first Super Bowl in franchise history. And, you know, Joe Burrow's been playing at a very, very high level. You know, on the season, Joe Burrow had 34 touchdowns. He had 14 interceptions, 4,611 passing yards. He completed 70% of his passes, which was a league best. What are your expectations heading into this matchup against the Rams on Sunday? I kind of classified this game as a good mix and matchup for the Bengals between, it's like, I call the Rams a good mix of the, the Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And I say that because you uh, look at the Rams defensive line, I compare them to the Titans defensive line. They're going to get after you. They got the chance to sack Burrow nine times if, if the offensive line don't hold up, you know, from that aspect. they I mean, they have one up with it, you know, a solid corner of Ramsey. But I don't think, you know, that one guy can cover the other, you know, weapons in that, in that uh, arsenal of wide receivers. And then from the offensive side, I feel like they they present that, can, that KC feel. Yeah. With, you know, with the weapons that wide receiver that they have. Not so much uh, running back worry, but you know, you know, Cooper Cup, OBJ, pick your poison. As we've seen the two games, just with us facing KC, we shut we shut them down in the second half. Yeah, you know, offensively, and they don't have a Patrick Mahomes. Like you know, what I'm saying, and a lot of a lot of talk, you know, has been about Matthew Stafford, you yeah. know, and being his first and this and that. But a lot of talk that doesn't get represented when it comes to him is how he led the league this year in interceptions yeah and you know so and we we had we total right now six interceptions just in the playoffs yeah three of them came against you know the titans so so man i'm i'm excited i think we match up well even even with the the possibility of burrow getting you know sacked maybe a few times but if they come with the right game plan of him you know getting the ball out quick, not holding on to the ball, or, you know, just getting rid of the ball, not taking those unnecessary hits, we'll be all right. I think we'll win it. Let's start off with that side of the ball, B-West. Let's talk about that Bengals offense versus that Rams defense. So I believe a key for the Bengals in this game is going to be Joe Mixon because when you have an elite pass rush, the best way to offset that elite pass rush 
is to have a great running game. And we know the Rams got an elite pass rush. They got Aaron Donald, the greatest defensive player in this generation. They got Von Miller, a Super Bowl NFL MVP. And they also got Leonard Floyd and Greg Gaines up front. And so I believe Joe Mixon going to be key in this in this matchup, uh, B-West, because I think if you can run the football effectively with Mixon, then it'll slow down that pass rush. If you can throw screens to Mixon and halfback draws to Mixon, like something to slow down that round's pass rush, I think that'll be a recipe for success for Zach Taylor in the, in the Bengals, in the Bengals uh, offense. And in AFC Championship, Mixon had 21 carries, 88 yards. So I think Mixon running the football will keep the Rams' defense honest. To that, you say what? I'll say that's a good game plan, but that's ideal, honestly, because we, we've been around first team. Yeah. Like, the only thing I don't want to see happen is it forced. Right. And I felt, I felt like in the AFC Championship game, a lot of times, and we heard Romo say it over and over again, like, why are we running it so much on first down? Yeah. Um, like, why not throw it? You know what I'm saying? And I get it. Like, when you a coach, you're on the sideline, you kind of want to stick to your guns. Yep. You don't want to switch it up too much, but I don't want it to be forced, you know. And and a lot of those yards that you read off, Mixon got late in the game, um, which yeah. is cool. Like I'm I'm not ragging on it, but I just don't want the that part of the game to be forced. Like just you know find out what work, keep going to it, and also you know we we've kind of mastered the screen game. Yeah. Um, and if we can, we can get some of those off. I mean, we scored a touchdown against KC off of, off of base of screen. Probably could have scored another one if P. Wine wouldn't have went the wrong way. Um, yeah, but, I um, saw that. Yep. But, you know, I think if we execute those things, and like I said before, if we can just get a good quick game and a pass game, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think the screen game is going to be important. And I actually think, too, going to this game, B-West, T. Higgins got to have another big-time game. You saw in the AFC Championship game, I thought Steve Spagnuolo, the court defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, they wanted to take Jamar Chase out of the game. They held Jamar Chase. But Higgins, he had a great game. Six receptions, 103 receiving yards. So I think Higgins is going to be key in this Bengals offense because I think the Rams, they may try to do what the Chiefs did and take Chase out of the game, and I think Higgins going to step up in the passing game for Joe Burrow and them. Yeah, I I agree with that, and but also you have to take you got to take in mind that we didn't have CJ Uzama as well. He went down early in that yeah. game, and uh, so you know that's another key factor as well. Like yep. you can mix it up with him. Uh, Tyler Boyd really hasn't had a a game for himself yet in his playoffs. But my thing with T Higgins is the drops. Yeah. He, had a, he had a lot of drops in some of these games and that could have been key. And I mean, he had some good plays in the KC game. So I can't, I can't be mad at him, but this game, we can't have that. Like, it's gotta be consistent. Like, yeah. If you yeah. get the ball thrown to you, you touch it, you better have I it. Catch it. Yeah. <laughs> you better have it. So it's up in the air for one of those three outside of chase to have a big game in the past in the receiving uh, game for real, if they can find those spots you know, and, you know, get open. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Now, is, is Uzama going to play? As far, far as I know, I believe so. I mean, he's quoted as saying, why would I miss the biggest game of my career? Uh, yeah. You know, at the pet rally, he, he came out, he ripped, he, he had the knee brace on, but then he ripped it off and threw it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those yeah. are all signs of me. And, like, even at, a, at the photo media day, I had seen Walking Funny, 
or having I wasn't there, but you know, just seeing video online, like I didn't see him with the knee brace on. So I don't I don't see why he would miss it. I yeah. don't think he will. He'll be he'll be right there. He'll he'll go out on the stretcher before I, before the, he let anybody take him out of this game. Agree, agree. Now you know that everyone's comparing the quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford versus Joe Burrow. And you know, on the season, Stafford he had 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, which was tied for the most in the NFL. And he had like four over four thousand passing yards, and he completed, I believe, like sixty-seven percent of his passes. And again, Burrow thirty-four touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. He completed seventy percent of his passes, which led the NFL. I believe, though, B. West, that I trust Joe Burrow more in this game than Matthew Stafford because we've seen Burrow play at a very high level, dating back to even his high school days. I, I, I looked it up at. The Ohio State championship game, Burrow had like six touchdowns, and they lost the game, but he did his part. He had like six touchdowns in that game, played great, and you know he led LSU to a national championship, and he balled out in that college football playoff. It seems like whenever the lights are at its brightest, Joe Burrow plays at a very, very high level and elevates his game. And even though Matthew Stafford has been playing well so far in the postseason, we know Matthew Stafford will give you an opportunity to catch interceptions if you're the opposing team. I think Burrow is to be trusted more so than Stafford. I know you're a Bengals fan, but realistically, do you do you agree with that as well? No, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I mean, you heard me say it, like 17 interceptions versus Joe Burley in the league in uh, pass uh, efficiency, you know what I'm saying, in percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he's just accurate. Like he does he doesn't just throw the ball away, and sometimes that's a bad thing because he takes those sacks. But at yeah. the same time, I rather I think I said it on social media uh, after the Titan game. I said I'd rather take all those sacks than those three picks. Yeah. Because after after those sacks, you can get back up, run another play. Those yeah. picks is over. It's going it's to over. Yeah. You can't you can't get that back. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can get the sacks back, but you can't get them picked back for sure. Those are more damaging than the sacks, really, unless your quarterback go out hurt. Now, that's a whole other story. But I definitely do trust Joe Burrow more than I do Stafford, just on the basis that he's so he's so smooth, man. Like, he yeah. don't nothing really phasing. Like, he don't, he don't never look bothered. He don't never look flustered. Like, even in them nine sacks, like, he was like, bro, he wasn't yelling at nobody. Like, he was just like, let's go. Like we still yeah. we still on a mission. We still got things to do. Where Stafford, like you look at that that San Fran game, if if a couple of them DVs don't drop them picks, that could have yeah. been a game. Like remember so the one, remember he, the one, remember the one was like a it was like a punt. It yeah. was like a punt. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like if you give you throw one like that up and Jesse Bates or Von Bell back there, you know Eli Apple. Hopefully he you know do his thing or even a Hilton. Like my my yeah. dark horse in our in our secondary is Mike Hill. And I thought I'd never say that because he came from Pittsburgh, but yeah, man, he he like you if you look at that game against KC, how they made the adjustment to put him on Tyree Hill, like he's a DB that plays the 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 uh, receiver and the ball better than I think anybody on uh, in our you know defensive back. Like he ain't looking right. at the quarterback, he he following that guy, yeah, he's tracking that ball and he's trying to get it up out of him. Yeah, hold that thought though, B West, because we're gonna talk about we're gonna flip it and talk about the Rams offense versus the Bengals D here in a second, though. I want to okay. talk about the other big time matchup. Also, we got Jamar Chase versus Jalen Rams. And so this was Bengals receiver Tyler Boyd 
on the matchup. He said, we're not going to not throw Jamar the ball because Ramsey is on him. They're going to have to match us. And then this was Ramsey earlier in the week. He said, I'm going to be ready for him when he was talking about Jamar Chase. So what are your expectations for this big-time matchup with Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey? I mean, I, we still owe Ramsey for that, that A.J. Green stuff, so I, I still got a vendetta against dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, me and dude don't get along, but uh, nah, um, honestly, like, I feel like what boy said, like, we ain't going to switch it up just because you want it. Right. Like, I like, I don't, one man can't stop the show. Right. Like, y'all, you gonna, if y'all going to double him, cool. You're going to play one-on-one, cool. You might get beat a few times. You might get shut down. But at the at the same time, we're not a one trick pony. And that's yeah. the that's the that's the thing. Like I don't expect him to cover him the whole time. Like I think I think they're gonna put him on whoever got the hot hand. Yeah. And, and try to slow and try to slow it down. But yeah. I, I know early he's gonna try to prove a point, put himself on chase. Like I'm that dude. I can lock him up. I'm looking yeah. for him to get exposed and get flustered. Because I mean, Mike Evans done did it to him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so. He, it's a, it's capable it's capable of being done, like you know what I'm saying. So I'm just excited though. I can't wait for Sunday. I wish it was today. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's exactly what I was gonna say too, B West. Like now you know, last, like two weeks ago, Jalen Ramsey he went up against Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel is more of a physical receiver. You know, like he he's he, he's a physical receiver. Jamar Chase is the opposite. Jamar Chase got that foot speed, and he has the ability to take a five yard slant to the house he's similar to Antonio Brown when he was in his prime you know he, he's similar to Tyreek Hill and how dynamic he is for the Kansas City Chiefs this is a different you know you know task for Jalen Ramsey than, than than he's had in the past like Jamar Chase got that breakaway speed and you know this and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a different matchup for 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 Ramsey that he's not necessarily accustomed to because you you can't with, with Jamar Chase, if you have the wrong angle on Jamar, he can take it to the house. Can, we, we saw it against the Chiefs in the regular season. Like, yeah. there was one – I know you know what I'm talking about. One of those touchdowns, he caught yeah. the pass, He caught the pass from Burrow, and it was defenders all around him. Mm-hmm. He caught it, took it straight to the house. I'm like, what? <laughs> what uh, or even another example is even in the Titans game when he got that, that short screen. And uh, yeah. the DB yeah. took the wrong angle on the tackle, and he almost took that one to the house. If it weren't for Boyd being in the way blocking, he probably yeah. would have took that one to the house. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's little stuff like that. Like, if they can, if he can just get the ball to open field, it's a chance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For him to just break away and, and get going. Yeah. And like you said, Mike Evans, he went for over 100 yards receiving on Jalen Ramsey when the Bucks matched up against the Rams in the divisional round a few weeks ago. So, I mean, as great as Jamie Ramsey is, and he is to be respected, he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL, but he can be had. I mean, you, you and again, I think I think going up against a, a, a speedster like Jamar Chase, it could be issues for Jalen Ramsey. But I think Jalen Ramsey will have some success on Jamar Chase as well. I think they're going to they're gonna go back and forth for yeah. sure. Let's, let's talk about the other side of the ball. And we talked about Matthew Stafford a little bit ago. I think defensively, the Bengals have been playing at a very, very high level, B. West. In the matchup in the AFC Championship against the Chiefs, they got to Mahomes four times in that game. And also, this is Mahomes in the second half in the AFC Championship game. He went eight of 18, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 
and he had a passer rating of 12. Defensively, Lou Adamaro and his group, they honestly have been doing a great job because, you know, we give, we've been giving the Bengals offense a lot of the credit for why they're in the Super Bowl. But I think their defense also has played a part in them being in the Super Bowl as well. To that, you say what? No, I agree. I, I feel like a lot of talk is, of course, about Burrow Chase. Um, but uh, uh, not enough talk is uh, about the defense, especially on a national level. Like, I think yeah. our defense is totally underrated and, and not, not given much respect. You look at you look at it like in years past we had some cool we had some good guys on the defensive line. Yeah, but I feel like this core guys like that's put together they they like they together. Yeah, like, they communicate. They they look like they plan for each other. Like it ain't just one guy that stick out to you like like the Rams like uh, Aaron Donald or you know a Ramsey like. Right. Or, you know, Von Miller, like these dudes that just like playing with a chip on your shoulder, like Henderson was a great acquisition this offseason, like for the, you know, to go on the other side of Herbert. Like you just look top to bottom of those starters. A lot of those guys are like first to third rounders. Yeah. Like, so it ain't no, it ain't no bums over here. Drafted high and other teams thought highly of them, but they just, you know, been fitting more in those systems and now they're here. You know what I'm saying? Then a yep. lot of uh, some of those guys are homegrown guys that we drafted. Yeah. You know, that's done really panned out for us. Like, so I think I think we match up well against them defensively. I think we gotta play them like we do the Chiefs. Like it was one play I seen where how we had we ran we ran the two high safeties, but we had Von, we had Von Bell kind of shift down to cut off yeah. that cost and middle stuff while you keeping Jesse Bates back. And then you was we was only rushing three, and then you dropped somebody like Herbert back to be a spy for Mahomes. But we don't need to have a spy in this case. But you know, you just drop that extra body back, kind of confuse them yeah. and throw them off. You know, I think I think we'll be fine, man. I, I love I love what we what we do defensively. Like I said, my guy is is Mike Hill. Like he's the un, unsung hero to this defense. Like I feel like he brought a lot yeah. uh, to the to that defensive side of ball. Um, coming from Pittsburgh, I think he helped change the mentality of how that defense goes. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think he match up well against any any one of Cooper Cup or OBJ. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot, a lot of Ouzier and probably Apple might see them a lot, but I think you know Hilton can can hold his own as well. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. You know, this year Cooper Cup, he's the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, he's been balling, playing at a high level. What do you believe the Bengals need to do defensively when they do their game plan to try to contain Cooper Cup? Play it like you did Tyree Hill. Like, you, you think about the two KC games. Second half, Tyree Hill was a no-show. And that's, that's, yeah. credit, to, that's credit to the D.C. And the, and the players of executing, you know, uh, making those true adjustments at halftime and uh, just executing. And I think I think was – was another part that's underrated is our pass rush. Hendrickson and, H- and Hubbard, if they can get pressure on Matthew Stafford, that's just gonna that's just gonna ease the ease the load on those defenders back there. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like if we can get that pressure up front and just kind of play that bracket too high, maybe a little bit, give them that too high look and bracket, you know, cup, and don't let o- OBJ just you know 
get open, find them holes, them gaping holes. So I don't think he really has that that breakaway speed to really to really kill you. I think he got more. He he has the speed, but he doesn't have that that first three years of giant speed. Different schemes from McVay are getting him wide open, and you know a lot of teams, of course, are worrying a lot about Cooper Cup, and I get it. But if we get when we run a five, we run a five DB set anyways defensively. So yeah, you got yeah. you got an extra body out there that can kind of double one and kind of watch the other. Yeah. I don't feel like anybody else can really hurt us unless they, you know, they tight end come back. But, uh, you know, I'm not worried about him. You can put somebody like Flowers on him. Just look what yeah. Flowers did to Kelsey. He shut him down a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I think they need to figure out what they're going to do. Do you allow Cooper Cup to get his? Because we know, like, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, they are a great dynamic duo. They just like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. They just like Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers, they, the Rams, they're going to force feed Cooper Cup the football. Make no mistake about it. So, you as a defense, you know Cooper Cup going to get his no matter what. Do you try to slow down everyone else like an Odell Beckham, you know, like a Jefferson, and just allow Cooper Cup to eat? Or do you try to shut down Cooper Cup the best way you can and, you know, take your chances with Odell and Jefferson on one-on-one coverage? That's, that's going to be the key. Like what you said. My thing, my thing is – you're never going to really stop them ever, but just Cooper Cup. Yeah. Um, but my two things is, well, I'll say three. Like I said before, pressure on pressure on Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Um, two, um, you know, come out with your game plan. Right. But, but in the same token, your game plan is not working. Are you going to make those adjustments like you've been doing? Yeah. And are there going to be the right adjustments to uh, keep you in the game and maintain the game? And then three, if Stafford give you gifts like a pick or something, yeah. can you capitalize on them? Yeah. That's those are my those are my three things uh for us defensively, you know, with a mix of the offense. You know, can we capitalize if he makes those mistakes? I agree. I can agree completely, B West, because that's gonna be the key. We know Stafford is is prone to mistakes. Now the problem with the Bengals also is, and I know you've been seeing it all year long, they defense have struggled against opposing teams' tight ends. In week 11, Darren Wilder, he went off seven receptions, 116 receiving yards. George Kittle, 13 receptions, 151 receiving yards, one touchdown. And then Travis Kelsey had 10 receptions, 95 receiving yards, one touchdown for the Chiefs. How important is it for Logan Wilson and that Bengals linebacking crew to contain the Rams and their and their tight ends? I don't think the Rams got no, no elite tight end like a Kelsey or like a Kittle, but they got Tyler Higney. He's listed as questionable uh, to play in this game. And then Brand and Kendall Blanton, he stepped up last week. How important do you think it is for them to slow down their tight ends? That's important. It's like I said before, though, a big body like Flowers as a traditional DB, I think that'll, that'll help. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I that I see that I don't like. Sometimes they'll put them on the tight end, and sometimes they won't have them on the tight end, depending on yeah. what's the play call. And I feel like every time he's on the tight end, and then you put Hilton on the guy to, to shut him down, like that's when the that's when the tides change for us. Yeah. In those last few games, is it? I mean, even in the AFC Championship game, like Kelsey was still getting a few because he was yeah. he was left wide open, but right. it wasn't damaging. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the, and then we we it got to a point where Mahomes was trying to force a lot of things. Yeah. And that 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 happened because of the pressure. Yeah, and that's that's gonna be the biggest thing, right? And I think that's gonna be the difference 
in the game between us and them. Like, I feel like if we get the pressure, Stafford will kind of fold and crumble. Right. Yeah. Where we know Joe Burrow, he done been pressured <laughs> the last two years. How back it? How much can it get? And, it, and, and he like, bro, I'm still doing. Yeah. Like, and that, that's why I feel like that's that's the difference, like, in this game, in this matchup. Like, we could talk X's and O's, who defense better. We know who defense is better on paper. Right. Um, we know who got the better, quote, unquote, guy at wide receiver on paper. You know, all that stuff. But I just feel like the, the key is going to be who fold and who don't. Yeah. And, I, and I'll take my guy not folding over that guy. I agree with you. I agree with you. And now let's talk about the Super Bowl being in, 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 in so far, so fly, so in so fly uh, stadium. And, you know, the Rams this week, B-West, they get a chance to sleep in their own beds and they get the chance to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. This is second consecutive season where the home team is the actual team that's playing in the Super Bowl. So Bengals, they had to travel out west four hours and they're sleeping in hotels this week. Talk about how, like, how much of an advantage it will be, though, for the Rams in this game because they've been sleeping in their beds all week and they have the home field advantage, literally. I really don't feel like it's an advantage. Now, if it was a if it was a regular playoff game, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But yeah. We seen last week, like it was 49er fans. Man. Days Man. In that game. But I just feel like for a Super Bowl, it's not really made for your traditional fans. It's more, it's more celebrities, yes, yeah. business people trying to woo like clients. I was just talking about this the other day. I'm like, you know, the Super Bowl is more like where people take their future business partner like and try to woo them and like, hey, let me get that yeah. contract off of you. Right. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Let's yeah. get it. You know what I'm saying? Big money people. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not yo yo and the, and the families of the yeah. players. You know what I'm saying? That's that's really what's gonna be there. You might have your sprinkle a a real life diehard fan. But it ain't really – I don't really feel like it's going to be no advantage for neither team. Like, I mean, the advantage might be them sleeping at home, but I think they actually stay in the hotels as well. The okay. Rams as a team. Yeah. Just to, just to alleviate outside Noise. nuances and, yeah. and noises. Like, they trying to keep it, you know, like it would be a regular game week. You know what I'm saying? A lot of teams do that on game weeks, like in the NFL. Like, even at home, they'll all stay together in a hotel the night before. Yeah. Eat crap you know, from jumping off or whatever. But I, I don't really see an advantage, man, honestly. Yeah, no, I feel you. I, de- I definitely uh, feel where you coming from with that. Uh, I, I, I do think it's crazy because I believe, though, the reason why you don't have those diehard fans is because those Super Bowl ticket prices are so damn high. Did you see what Chad Johnson said? Yeah, I did. I did. Come on, man. I, seen, not, the, I like, seen the prices early on. I was like, the, I was like, this is ridiculous like you got it's it's start, they were starting out at six thousand in the nosebleed yeah right like, yeah. What? that's on, why man. that's why that's why I was, that's why i made the point of saying it's more for your your celebrities yeah your, your business people trying to take a client and show, right. it's like taking a client on a hot date like, right. you know what i'm saying like yeah. i'm about to splurge on this client real quick so we can get this this business deal done you know what i'm yeah. saying let me get a couple tickets yeah. you know what i'm saying like i said you might have a sprinkle here and there, like, or somebody, you know, gave away some tickets to a fan and they got there. Like, I just seen a story before hopping on um, 
a company gave a diehard Bengals fan a kid, you know, showed up at his classroom, gave him uh, tickets to the game and paid for his hotel and flight out there, you know, which was cool. You know, oh, okay. Like, yeah, stuff, that's dope. Stuff like yeah. that, you know, that's dope. But like, like normal fans like myself and, you know, we're going to be sitting right here watching it. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? At home, like, versus, you know, having the opportunity to really go and experience it and, and be there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's going to be a lot of celebrities there, to your point. Like, LeBron probably will be there, Kawhi be there, you know, like AD, Paul George, Magic will probably be in the house. Like, it's going to be a lot of celebrities there. Another thing, too, I think that is an advantage for the Bengals, the Rams, they they aren't a big fan base as a team. Like, the Rams, they're not like the Steelers or the Packers or the Cowboys or the Browns that or the Raiders. That's not the Rams. That's like. It's not a lot of Rams fans that I even know. Like I'm, I'm actually like, do I even know? I don't even think I even know any Rams fans, honestly. So I know about like one or two. One or two. Okay. Yeah. In the city, in our city, right here. In our city. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, honestly, I think the Rams and the Bengals honestly have about an even fan base. I mean, the Rams may have more followers on Twitter, but that don't mean nothing. I mean, I'm talking about just overall fan base. I think it's actually like even. You know, more so than people think. And also, I actually heard B West. I just got I just got off the call with Joe Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengal, play in the Super Bowl with Boomer Esiason uh, when they lost to Joe Montana. He told me a lot of Bengal fans traveled out there to LA. Yeah, so Bengals gonna definitely show up in a big time way uh for the Super Bowl. We're gonna see if the fans gonna be in the city and they're gonna be in, and they're gonna be tailgating. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard that as well too, that it's a lot of a lot of fans out there. A lot of people traveling, traveling that way, which is cool. So hopefully you see a lot of orange and black in the uh, stands when the game starts. All right. So before we talk about some basketball real quick, because I, I got a couple more minutes for you. Okay. I want I want to ask you who's going to win and who's your Super Bowl MVP? Well, we know who's going to win. <laughs> I'm not going to go against the grain. I think the last time we talked, and it was before the 49ers game when I was on your show, I was like, I was still on the fence, like, with my boys, I'm like, man, I, I ain't putting all my baskets in the hat yet. They still got stuff to prove to me. And they yeah. there. They there. Like, I'm yeah. back. I'm back. I'm back all in. Like, <laughs> not just because we in the Super Bowl, but they really proved that they, you know, they on a better track than they yeah. have been. But, I'm, you know, I'm going with my Bengals all day uh, to win this one. Uh, I, I, I've jokingly said if they win, I'm going to be outside flipping up cars. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be to the max. I ain't gonna know what to do with myself. I Can you imagine kids, what it's gonna be like Sunday I night. Told, I told the I told the kids y'all might as well forget it. When the parade happened, y'all off school. We going to the parade. Yeah. All right, because you gotta express. I even told my I even tried to convince my brother who was still a fan. I'm like, bro, I know, I know he you were still a fan, but you gotta experience this because you, you got to. never experienced this. Like <laughs> yeah. you were you was just born after the Reds won the, the championship, so you didn't get to experience that like I did. Right. So, like just just take off your Steelers cap for like two seconds and just yeah. experience this. Like if it happened, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And if I had to go with a with an MVP, my heart say uh, Joey B. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna come to you know Joey B doing his thing now. Now it's like it's weird that a defensive guy get one. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he he gonna have to have a, a couple of pick six and a and a take back, you know what I'm saying, for him yeah. to win one. But if I had to pick it, it's between Joey B and our chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can you imagine B West though if they are able to pull this off with like 
we the city already canceled school tomorrow. They already canceled school tomorrow. They already said everybody can be off the, on, yeah. on, on actually not tomorrow. I'm Monday. sorry, on Monday, on yeah. Valentine's Day. How ironic is that? They right. already pretty much canceled work, school, pre planning, pre planning, pre planning. Like Planning now, now I'm not sure. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I, I, I'm not. I know they. I don't know if they did it for the AFC Championship. I actually heard they didn't, but they need to open up Paul Brown. They they need to open up Paul Brown so fans can come and watch the Super Bowl. I think. The, I think. I think the issue is like getting people to work, and then the cold is why. If yeah. Mike Brown would have been smart enough and made that a dome, that probably would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think he'd want to be out there in the cold, to be honest with you, like watching the game. I know I would personally. I'm you wouldn't go? I would not. I'm watching it right here in my house. Uh B West, you got it, man. I would come not on. go. If I ain't at the stadium watching them on the field, I ain't trying to watch it on no big screen. I got a screen right here. I watch it. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool. I don't yeah. experience the joy. My dad the same somebody, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't experience the joy of somebody winning the Super Bowl. Like, you know what I'm saying? And years ago. So I, I can see myself enjoying this one a little bit more. Yeah. But you know, most fans would go though. Like even if they was even they would have if they would if they charged, if they charge fifty dollars for entry to watch the Bengals, you know, in the Super Bowl, people gonna pay it. People gonna pay if they charge the hundred, people are going to pay it. Even if they did it like they did for the Pet Rally, it would probably be full like the like it was for the Pet Rally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, so, I mean, I'm sure people go. I think it's a thing of, you know, having the right people in place. Yeah. And one more thing, one more thing before we talk about some basketball real quick. Uh-huh. I know you've been watching the shows all week, and I've been watching and listening to a lot of media B West. Driving me nuts. They still <laughs> Don't believe the Bengals deserve to be here. No, Aaron, you, should, my, you should see my Twitter responding to some of them, and I wish they would respond back. Like I even told, I even told Shannon Sharp, like I bet you some Mountain Dew. How much you want to put on it? Yeah, <laughs> like it's come like, on, yeah. man. Like man, yeah. they, it's, it's driving me nuts, man. It's, me nuts. Yeah, it's it's like majority of people, like a majority of America, they believe that the Bengals are here by accident. They lucked up and they got here, and you know, and and I and I will admit. The Bengals are playing with house money. All the pressure is on the L.A. Rams. They traded for Matthew Stafford in the offseason. Sean McVay, he acknowledged, I have went as far as I can go with Jared Goff. I need a better quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Well, he got his guy and Matthew Stafford now. They brought in Von Miller from the Broncos. They signed Odell Beckham in free agency. They got one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history in Aaron Donald. I think the Rams got all the pressure on them to win the Super Bowl, but you look over at the Cincinnati Bengals, they playing with house money, given the fact they didn't have these expectations coming into the season. But once you see evidence, you have to change your perspective. It is obvious that this Bengals team deserved to be here. This is coming from one of the biggest Bengals haters in history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been hating on them for all these years. They deserve to be here, man. Nah, I, I agree, man. It, the one thing that one person that really stood out to me that was on our side was Kevin Wiles um, on Fox Sports. Um, first thing is first. First thing first, yeah. yeah. He, he said the Rams are going to be that team that's playing tight, but the Bengals are going to be that team playing loose. Because it's yeah. like what you just said. they it's The pressure is on the Rams, not the Bengals. Like, everybody didn't expect the Bengals. I mean, they didn't expect the Rams to be there, but more, and more than likely, nobody expected the Bengals to be here, especially me. 
Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't, him, I didn't expect him. I'm being honest. Like, after we won that Raiders game, I was like, okay, we finally got over that hump. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the next to get over that one and right. then the next one. And I'm like, we got it. Well, I was I was kind of confident in the KC one because I'm like, we already beat them. Like, yeah. I, the, the first two, I was like, oh, man, come on. But yeah. and then they keep they keep slandering us talking about all oh, we won in the last seconds. Like or like Marcel Wiley said the other day, like the defense belt is out. Like, okay, it's a team sport. Right. <laughs> like, what, what are you yeah. talking about? Like yeah. they it's just no credit given. And I can't wait till Sunday. So if if we win, I can, I'm my TV is gonna be tuned on all them shows. Like yeah. I wanna hear y'all re re retract every little statement, little haterism. That yeah. you had in your heart, and and give us credit. Yeah, yeah, you got, you got, a, you got. As a Bengal fan, like you got to take this moment in. Watch all your sports shows. Be a fan. Y'all got yeah. bragging rights right now, but like, like to your point, like it, yeah, it is us. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure, man. Like, I, like this team is this. This is the crazy part about it, B West. The crazy part about it is they are ahead of schedule. They are. They are like two years ahead of schedule. They're only going to get better. They got a half space. They need to release Trey Waynes, the, the defensive back, because he ain't done nothing this I season. Agree. Like they got they gotta let him go. Like I, I like <laughs> he, he ain't I, done I, I said I said that to somebody too. I said they he needs to be released, which will know we got cap space, but I help I, I figured that'll help put some of that money towards re-signing the Jetson Bates. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then going out there and maybe getting you a veteran offensive lineman and maybe a little more depth at the defensive lineman. Yeah, you know, build build the rest of the draft, and then yeah. you you know, because I th- I feel like we just a few more pieces. I said before we even got to this point, like we a few more pieces from really going somewhere. But like I, you know, what you just said, we we might truly be ahead. Excuse me, be ahead of the schedule. Absolutely, definitely ahead of the schedule. Let's talk some basketball real quick. And we know yesterday the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, they had a blockbuster trade. The Nets, they got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks. The Sixers, they got James Harden and Paul Millsap. What was your reaction to this blockbuster trade between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, b It's one of those things where it's like we knew it was talked about. So was it going to happen or was it not going to happen? And it did happen. Yeah, and um, I mean, I really don't feel like. I mean, it, it's kind of the end to a saga for both. Like the Ben Simmons saga can end in Philly, and the whole James Harden saga can end in Brooklyn. They can go their separate ways, and now you know move forward. But it's still gonna be some 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 talk about it because of who they are, yeah, um, and how you know how the big three didn't work. Right. Uh, they never, you know, amounted to what everybody thought they would amount to. Um, I think it's a bigger story than anything. Um, and then, you know, I just feel like I, I, I never believed that it would work. Like, I just, I, really? just never, I never, no, I never felt those three could work together just personality wise. Like, just look at, look how Kyrie is, look how KD is, and look how James Harden. I just I just didn't see that 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 mixing together to to produce a champion, and then then you factor in the then you factor in the the all three have issues staying on the court consistently. 
Yeah. Like, it just it was just so many factors that that played into those three not meshing. Like you know, and I felt like all those mixed together that it just wasn't built for a, a conducive championship team. See, I disagree, B West. Like it, when the big three played together, they only played in 16 games. They were 13 and three. They won 81% of their games. And we know these are three of the most gifted scorers in NBA history in James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. I, I just thought that James Harden should have been a little bit more patient with the Brooklyn Nets in their situation. And I think he's a bailer. I think whenever the going gets tough, James Harden will bail. Instead of overcoming adversity, he bails. And I thought this was an opportunity for James Harden to prove why he is still a top five player in the NBA B West, because we know Kyrie Irving is playing in half of the games, which is on the road. And he's not playing in home games at the Barclays Center. We know Kevin Durant has been out since the beginning of the calendar year, not the season, the calendar year in 2022. And he's been out for a while. And I know they were on a nine-game losing streak and all that. But I thought this was an opportunity for James Harden to prove why he's still a top-five player in the NBA. And instead of being patient, waiting for help that's on the way in Kevin Durant, James Harden bailed and said, let me get to Philly, you know, so I can team up with Joe and B. And I do think they're going to be good in the East, B-West. I do. I'm going to talk about them here in a bit. But I just thought he should have been a little bit more patient. And I thought they could have won a championship because – Offensively, I don't know how you slow down this trio. I won't disagree with a lot of it, but it's, it's what I mean. They have the intangibles individually as great players. Yeah. But at the same time, mentality and personality have to come and play as well. That's what any sport, if it don't mix, it's like oil and water. It just won't mix. And yeah. You see, it, you see it like what Kyrie's personality is, you know, I don't want to get vaccinated. So I'm not gonna be there to help the team. That's yeah. that that hurts. You know, James Harden, when they're going to get tough, he wanna run. Yeah. That hurts the team. Who's to say the same thing won't happen in Philly? I mean, we know Joel and B is yeah. not it's not your your hundred percent on the floor guy either. So what if he go down? Who who else gonna be there to the to, to help? Yeah. Him? yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, and I, I never I really don't agree with James Harden being a top five player. I never have. And it's, I mean, I'm talking I just don't feel like he, he, if, if you were, if we go and look at stats, he only really produced a lot of points because he was getting those little touch fouls. He's not going to really do much to hurt you. He's not like a, he's not a LeBron. He's not a Kevin Durant. They can just snipe you in, or a Giannis. They can just, you know, go down your pipe. Like most of his stuff was, let me drive, oh, touch, and I'm going yeah. to the free throw line. I'm getting my points. Yeah. He, he, he not he, even in his own position, B. West, like all-time greats. He's not a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or even a Dwayne Wade. That's that's not that's not James Harden. To your he point, a, he made his he li- a, living off that get to the free throw line. Yeah, he was a six man coming out, you know, coming out of draft. He was a six man. He won six man of the year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then he went to Houston, blew up a little bit because of what I call the touch foul. You yeah, know, you know what I'm saying? That can be a whole 30 for 30 fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I benefited off touch fouls. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, the real James Harden is showing up. That's, now, that's how I feel. This is Michael Lee. He on Twitter. He he tweeted this at 10.02 yesterday before the trade had went down. He said, text from a former NBA player this morning. He said, quote, Harden is going to have a hard time getting a former teammate to introduce him at his Hall of Fame introduction. 
because he always bailing on teammates. Like he always, <laughs> it happens all the time. Um, but but real quick though, B West, when it comes to Philly, do you believe that they are championship contender? No, no, no. I say that because once again, are they gonna mix? Yeah. Are they gonna are they gonna work well together? Will Embiid stay healthy? Right. Will Hart, will Hart and stay healthy? I mean, that's a guy that doesn't really take care of his body. He's forever having hamstring issues. Yeah. Um. You know those those things right there tell me no. Like who's gonna take the who's gonna take the bucks off the throne? That's what you. That's your measure up is the bucks. Yeah. Like yeah. they they're the team to beat. Like you know what I'm saying? Can Brooklyn? you know, resurface with the addition of Ben Simmons. But I, I don't feel like Philly is that team this year. No. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with you, though, B. West. I'll be honest. I think James Harden and Joel and B is one of the more dynamic duos we got in the NBA, like a LeBron James, Anthony Davis, like a Steph, uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, like a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I think that duo is dynamic. But I do believe that they struggle in the postseason and a part of that is because of Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has to prove he can win a championship without the big three in Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. We're going to see if he's going to be able to get it done. I mean, you look at this. This is the potential Sixers starting lineup. Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel B. I like Tobias Harris, though, B-West, as, you know, a nice role player. He's not a star, but as a nice role player in that offense with Joel B. And you know James Harden. Um, I, I I don't like that they had to give up Seth Seth Curry because I think Seth Curry is a a great perimeter shooter, and that actually leads me to my to to Brooklyn. Surprisingly, B West, I think Ben Simmons teaming up with Kyrie and KD can actually revitalize his career because I think when he since he's in Brooklyn, he doesn't have to worry about being able to shoot like. I, there were two teams that I said, if Ben Simmons lands on, there's a that's going to be great fits. That's the Golden State Warriors, and that's because you got Steph and Clay, the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history, and the Brooklyn Nets, because they got Kyrie and KD, who are terrific shooters within their own right. I think Simmons actually is going to help the Nets because he's going to help them defensively, and he's a he's a playmaker. Like he's one of the best passers in the big in the NBA. That kind of reminds me of like LeBron. Like, I think Simmons might work out with the Nets. What you think about Simmons with the Nets? Don't take care of the LeBron, bro. No, no, I'm saying. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, okay, I'm joking. Hell no. I'm just talking about passing, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, I feel – I honestly feel like it's a it's a good combination. Really? I think it'll, I think it'll work. I think it'll work with uh, with Ben Simmons, KD, and Kyrie. Like, I feel like I feel like it'll work. I honestly do. I like it, but um, like you said, it, it, Ben Simmons ain't gonna have that pressure. He ain't right. gotta be that. He ain't gotta be the guy. You know what I'm saying? He can be the guy in his own mind, but he don't have to be the guy pressure from his fans. Right. You know how tough Philly fans are. You know what I'm saying? And one more thing, like for the Phillies, uh, for the 76ers, what is James Harden gonna do when Embiid started posting about it? Because <laughs> he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> like how you gonna handle that? Is he gonna run again? Like yeah. that's another factor right there. Like you know, Embiid don't don't keep his mouth closed. So, right. <laughs> that's gonna be interesting to see. I can't wait. <laughs> nah, you're right. That's true. That's true. Is he gonna get in his feelings? You know, like and, and be sensitive because Harden he kind he kind of come across like he a little sensitive. B West. 
Like he, he's sensitive, man. Touch, but like touch, touch fouls, what I say? Touch, touch fouls. fouls, right? There it is. touch fouls. Exactly, <laughs> and that and that's the thing. But you know, I, I knew this was going to happen. Harden wanted to go to Philly. He wanted to be reunited with Daryl Morey. He's the president of basketball operations with the Philadelphia 76ers. So we got Harden, we got Embiid in Philly, we got Simmons, we got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And so you think Brooklyn actually has a better chance to win a championship even than, than Philly, right? Make sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. If I had to, if I had to pick my 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 top three out of out of the top dogs, I feel in the East it'll be Bucks, Nets, then maybe Philly. Okay. Okay. I, I, I mean, I wish the Bulls didn't have so many injuries because they was they was they was doing pretty good. Yeah, they were. Dark horse, dark horse in the future might be the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. I like the Hornets. I like the Hornets a lot with Lamelo Ball, Bridges, Gordon Hayward is a nice veteran presence, you know, in that in that locker room. And uh, I definitely, I definitely like like the Hornets for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with it. Yeah. He's the founder, president, and executive director at Get Everything You Foundation. He is also my former co-host on the Wise Guys Sports Show, Dad Hard Cincinnati Bengals fan, Brian Westbrook. And he's a head coach. I'm not head coach, but a coach here in high school in the Cincinnati area. Be West, man. Give everybody your social media with Get Everything You. I know you got a lot of merchandise that you be selling. Uh, and stuff yeah, like it's, that. Just, it's just uh, Get Everything You. At Get Everything You for both uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, for sure. Okay. You got Big, you got you gotta give a who they in that jersey, bro. <laughs> you gotta give a who they you said I gotta do it. I gotta give you a who they in the jersey. To. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> oh man, this is this is great. This has been a day, man. I yeah. thought I'd never see this. Never this, thought you would see this day. Uh, <laughs> I had to I had to clear my eyes out when I got on here. Like this boy got on a Bengals jersey. What? <laughs> I was about man. to go straight in the NFL group. Like, bro, he out here turning the turning the tide on. Man, I can't wait to take this damn thing off, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, oh my god, I can't wait. I cannot be seen in public with this on. Your show gonna be on on recording, so it's over. It's, it's over. It's out there. It's out there. And you, you got in the Super Bowl, you got Bengals. What's your score? 28-24? I didn't give a score. So um if I had to give a score, I'm gonna go 24-21. Okay. Money, money, money Mac with the uh game winning field goal. Okay, McPherson, game winning yep. field goal, Joey B your yep. MVP, right? My man, my man from the Gators. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show, big bro, man. Uh, I, I appreciate you having me. And I'm gonna definitely bring you on next week so we can give a, a Super Bowl recap. No doubt. I look forward to it. Okay. Have a good right. one. That was my man, B. West, big brother. Man, man, that's that's my bro, man. He died hard Bengals fan. Definitely been down for Wise Guys since the beginning. My former co-host on the Wise Guys Sports Show. And so I want to actually talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and their situation right now that's going on. The Lakers, they fall to 26 and 30 after a 107, 105. Loss to the Portland Trailblazers. They are currently ninth in the Western Conference. They got a matchup against Steph and Clay tomorrow night in Golden State against the Warriors. And basically, when I look at this Los Angeles Lakers team, the Los Angeles Lakers should be ashamed of themselves. The only reason why we are discussing the Lakers is because of their history 
and because of their brand. And I believe that Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka, they have allowed LeBron James to put together this team, and that's why you have this Lakers team struggling the way that they are. And I'm going to get to LeBron here in a bit, but who's running the organization right now? I see why Magic Johnson wanted to step down from the Lakers because there is no leader in the organization besides LeBron James. Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss, and I, I love Jeannie Buss. I, I love her. I, she's been a bit, she loves the Lakers, you know, a lot, and she's done a lot for the organization. God rest her father's soul because he did a lot for that organization as well. And, and we know the Lakers have been ran at a very, very high level because of the Buss family. But Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka, they both dropped the ball when they put together this Lakers team. They allow LeBron James to be GM. And when you allow LeBron James to be GM, you have a mix of Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. And we know these are two players that Russell Westbrook does not mix with. And I know everyone's been blaming Russ for his struggles, and he's been awful. And I'm going to get to him here in a minute. But this also has to be on the shoulders of LeBron James. He has to shoulder some of this responsibility when it comes to blame. All of these players on the Lakers, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for LeBron James. Carmelo Anthony, and I think Melo was balling out at the beginning of the year. He was a fan favorite at Staples Center, and fans cheered. Whenever Melo hit a three-point shot, fans cheered for him, and they were excited for Melo. So he's a fan favorite in L.A. Dwight Howard, you know, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza. This roster was put together by LeBron James, and we knew going into the season. They were the oldest team in the NBA, and they don't have the right pieces when it comes to their stars to be an elite team to overcome them being an old team. Let me break it down. Their stars are Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Because Russell Westbrook doesn't mesh with AD and LeBron, they can't overcome being an old team. If they meshed well and their stars all fit together, the Lakers being old wouldn't matter as much. And this is why you see them struggling defensively. Defensively, the last two games, the Lakers, their opponents, have scored 60 points per game in the paint against the Lakers. That's going up against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Portland Trailblazers. They've averaged 60 points per game. And we know the reason why the Lakers won an NBA championship was because they played great defense in the bubble. Frank Vogel, he is known as a coach who teaches defense. And so this Lakers defense, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. And they're not playing at a high level right now. And it's bad. It is bad what's going on right now in L.A. And, you know, how in the hell do you lose to the Portland Trailblazers JV team? Let me name some of these players that were 
in the game against the Lakers the other night. There was no Damian Lillard, no C.J. McCollum, no Robert Covington, no Norman Powell. They had C.J. Ellaby, Justice Winslow, Ben McLemore, Greg Brown, Mr. Inconsistent Nurkic, Trendon Watford. These are some of the players that beat the Lakers the other night in Portland. This is a Lakers team that's led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And in that game, Anthony Davis only shot 11 shot attempts. Are you serious? What the hell was going on in L.A.? What's going on in L.A.? This team has lost themselves. They have no life whatsoever. And you can't blame the Blazers' loss on Russell Westbrook. You can't blame that on Russ because Russ didn't even play in that game. But I I watched the game against the Milwaukee Bucks the other night, and I'm watching Giannis just give it to Anthony Davis. I mean, he completely dominated AD the other night in that game. Dominated him. There was a time where I used to make an argument for Anthony Davis being better than Giannis. Those days are long gone. Those days are long gone because Giannis is arguably the best player in the NBA and Anthony Davis is a shell of himself. He's not the same player that he was when the Lakers won the championship in the bubble a few years ago. He's just not. Has he elevated his game since he returned from injury? Absolutely. But AD is not on the same level as a Joel B or Giannis right now. He's just not. And so because Russell Westbrook doesn't fit with LeBron and AD, it's making the Lakers look even worse than they are. And they can't overcome being an old team because their stars don't fit together. So the Lakers, they're a mess. LeBron James deserves some of the blame because LeBron put together this team. He wanted Russ. Remember, the Lakers could have traded Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry. They didn't want to do it. They could have signed DeMar DeRozan. He's also a L.A. native and from L.A. They didn't sign DeMar DeRozan. Instead, they traded for Russell Westbrook, and now they are a mess. They are a mess, and I don't see this situation changing anytime soon. I know they tried to trade Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets. There are reports that the Rockets want, wanted one of the Lakers' future first-round picks. Lakers said no, and, you know, the trade was off. It was a possibility that John Wall would have gotten traded for Russell Westbrook, and it would have been John Wall, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. But you look at Russell Westbrook this year, he's averaging 18 points per game. That's the fewest since the 2009 season. Eight rebounds per game, eight assists per game. And – this was Russell Westbrook. This, this is since the start of February. He's shooting 28% from the field. He, that's the worst of 100 players with 40-plus attempts this month. That's the worst. Also, Russell Westbrook, he in, in his last four games, he's averaging 10 points per game, 28% shooting from the floor, shooting 15% from three-point range, shooting 55% from the free throw line. 
His plus minus is a minus 24. That's Russell Westbrook in his last four games. He's been awful. And I don't think I've ever seen a superstar struggle like this. Like you, you literally have fans at crypto.com center. They are screaming and chanting, don't shoot. This is a Russell Westbrook who was born and raised in LA. It's so embarrassing what's going on with Russell Westbrook right now in Los Angeles Lakers. Like I'm, I'm really, really upset and disappointed for my man, Carmelo Anthony. I'm a Melo fan. And so I've wanted Melo on the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I said it once Melo didn't resign back in Portland. I said, go to LA, try to compete for a championship with LeBron. And Melo is in a mess in LA. I thought Melo bought out in the beginning of the year and did his part, you know, as a, as a reliable six man when they had all the injuries that they had on their team. But, you know, the way Russell Westbrook is struggling overall, I just don't see him being able to fit in with LeBron and AD. And I think Frank Vogel needs to bench Russell Westbrook and have him come off the bench. I think he's going to be better with the second unit and you need to allow LeBron and AD to play to their strengths and do what they do best with the starters and you can't play Russell Westbrook and LeBron on the floor at the same time. You can't do it. You cannot do it because Russell Westbrook cannot shoot. Fans are screaming for him to not shoot in the arena when the Lakers play at home. It's bad. This is bad. And the, the worst part about it was in his post-game press conference, he's not even showing accountability. I mean, he was, he was talking about how they asked him about when he went over to LeBron and AD and tapped him on the shoulder. And they asked him about it. And he said, I, I told those guys, I, I wish I could have been in there to help them. And that's why I came here to help. You don't deserve to play in the fourth quarter when you've been as awful as you have been. What do you expect Frank Vogel to do? What do you expect, Russ? Show some accountability. Go to the post-game press conference and admit that you have been playing awful and you're not a good basketball player right now. You're just not. Got to admit it. Accountability is important for all of us. It really, really is. Now let's transition and let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their situation right now with Aaron Rodgers. So Charles Woodson, he was on a, a show discussing the situation involving Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. This is Charles Woodson. He said, quote, if I'm putting on my GM hat, when you say what we're going to do next season, when I'm looking at the roster that we have, you know what? I'm thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers and seeing what I can get in return for him. That was Hall of Fame cornerback Charles Woodson on Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers situation right now. Now, before I answer the question about whether or not the Packers should trade Aaron Rodgers, I've been a Packers fan all my life. I have been a fan the entire Aaron Rodgers era, and I also was a fan at the end of the Brett Favre era. I, like, I was a fan when I was younger, but I was young. I didn't really understand football, you know, in the 90s like I did, you know, in the early 2000s. So, you know, I, I became a fan of the Packers when I was a kid, but I didn't really know who Brett Favre was until I – you know, became like 12 or 13 years old. But um, I've been a fan of the Packers my entire, my entire life. And I watched last night Aaron Rodgers 
in LA at the honors ceremony. He won his fourth NFL MVP. And although there has only been two players in NFL history who have won two NFL or four NFL MVPs, that's Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning won five. Aaron currently has four. Watching Aaron Rodgers receive the NFL MVP award was so meaningless. I have never watched an NFL player win an NFL MVP and it be as meaningless as Aaron Rodgers' MVP was receiving that award last night was. I mean, it was so meaningless. It meant absolutely nothing. And I've defended Aaron Rodgers in years past when the Packers came up short in the playoffs. I defended him in 2012 after losing to the 49ers, 45-31. to 31. I said the defense, they gave up 181 rushing yards to Colin Kaepernick. I defended him the exact next year in 2013 when the Packers played the Niners at Lambeau Field in Aaron Rodgers' house. The Niners on that afternoon, they beat the Packers 23-20. to 20, And Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers rushing attack, they had 167 rushing yards that afternoon at Lambeau Field. I still defended Aaron because the defense gave up so many rushing yards. And then the following year, in 2014, I defended Aaron Rodgers after losing to the Seattle Seahawks in overtime, 28 to 22. That time, I blamed Brandon Bostic. Brandon Bostic had an opportunity to catch the onside kick attempt by the Seattle Seahawks, and he stepped in front of Jordy Nelson and was trying to do too much instead of allowing Jordy Nelson to catch the onside kick and him block the, the defenders that were trying to knock the ball loose. So I, I blame Brandon Bostic that year. I defended Aaron Rodgers in 2015 after a 26 to 20 overtime loss to the Arizona Cardinals. That evening in Arizona, we didn't have Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb got injured in that game. And so I said, we didn't have any weapons for Aaron to throw the ball to. That's why we lost in that game against Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald in the Arizona Cardinals. I defended Aaron Rodgers in 2016 after losing to the NFL MVP, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC championship game, 44 to 21. That time, the excuse was, we didn't have anybody to guard Julio Jones. I defended Aaron Rodgers in 2019 in the NFC Championship when we lost to, again, guess who? The 49ers, 37-20. to 20. I said our defense struggled because our defense gave up 285 rushing yards, and Jimmy G only had to throw eight times. So I defended Aaron Rodgers for that loss as well. I even defended Aaron Rodgers last year after losing in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau, 31 to 26. That time, I blamed Matt LaFleur and said he should have went for it on fourth down and gave his MVP quarterback a chance to tie the game up. I've been defending Aaron Rodgers for the past decade and blaming the organization 
for his shortcomings in the playoffs until this year. Aaron Rodgers, you are the number one seed at home in Lambeau. The Packers defense, they did their job. They gave up no offensive touchdowns to the 49ers. None. 49ers scored 13 points, and they all came on special teams. You are favored at home. You have the better team. You have the best receiver on the field in Devontae Adams. You have the best running back on the field in Aaron Jones, and you score 10 points in a home playoff game at Lambeau Field. And then after the game, I was hearing people making excuses for Aaron Rodgers, talking about it was snowing. That's supposed to be an advantage for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You've been playing in the cold your entire career in snowy conditions. What's the purpose of fighting for home field advantage if you can't deliver in the playoffs when your team needs you to, Aaron? What's the point of having home field advantage and back-to-back postseason appearances for the Green Bay Packers? What's the purpose of home field advantage? What's the purpose of talking all season long about having the advantage at Lambeau Field? It's cold. They have to come to our place and play in inclement weather. We have the advantage because we're used to playing in inclement weather and the conditions in Green Bay. What's the purpose of all that if you're going to struggle in the snow? So don't give me, oh, it was snowing, it was cold. You don't get that excuse when you've been playing for a franchise for 17 years in the same city. You don't get that excuse. I'm sorry. And so I saw three quarterbacks overcome obstacles in the playoffs this year. Two of them will be playing Sunday at SoFi Stadium in the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, he overcame four fumbles and beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round matchup. This was after Tom Brady came back from a 24-point deficit. And if it wasn't for Cooper Cup creating magic on a Rams game-winning field goal drive, Tom Brady would have completed the comeback in overtime. But Matthew Stafford said, no, not on my watch. I also witnessed Joe Burrow get sacked nine times and he found a way to beat the Tennessee Titans with the worst offensive line in the playoffs. Bengals got the worst offensive line of the 14 teams that made the playoffs, and Burrow was able to overcome that. I also saw the following week, Joe Burrow overcome an 18-point deficit against Patrick Mahomes in his house an all-time great quarterback because Patrick Mahomes is an all-time great quarterback already he's already an all-time great quarterback and he's going to continue to win NFPs and get back to the Super Bowl so I saw Burrow overcome Mahomes 
in Arrowhead. So, as a Packers fan, I disagree with Charles Woodson saying the Packers should trade Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why I disagree with Charles Woodson is because Aaron Rodgers owes us Packers fans a Super Bowl. He owes it to us. Yes, he owes it to us because we have been defending Aaron Rodgers for the last decade for his shortcomings in the playoffs until this year. I saw open receivers running open. I saw opportunities for the Packers to overcome the 49ers elite defense and get back to a third consecutive NFC championship game. Last three years, the Packers have been 39 and 10 in the regular season. And Aaron Rodgers has won two MVPs back to back. And it means absolutely nothing. That was one of the more meaningless MVPs I have ever seen a quarterback receive in NFL history. But Aaron Rodgers does owe us Packer fans. And this year, he should be 100% committed to helping the Packers win a Super Bowl in Green Bay. I don't want to hear nothing about retirement. I don't want Aaron Rodgers to bail on the Packers like James Harden bailed on the Rockets, like James Harden bailed on the Brooklyn Nets. I want to see Aaron Rodgers be committed to helping the Packers get back to the Super Bowl and winning their fifth Super Bowl in history. And I mean, the statistics, they also back up the Packers bringing back Aaron Rodgers. So this year, this was NFL ranks amongst quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, he's tied for first. His total QBR is first. His completion percentage is third. His passing touchdowns, he had 37, which was tied for fourth. And he has, uh, he had four interceptions, which was first as well. So uh, the statistics also back up bringing Aaron Rodgers back for one more year. I do believe you can get a lot for Aaron Rodgers. But if you bring back Aaron Rodgers, a lot of those guys who are, you know, you know, potentially not going to be on the team next year, like a DeVeandre Campbell, like a Devontae Adams, like a MVS, I guarantee you they will sign up to return back to Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers decides to return for another season. They're going to sign up. And the Packers, they're in Green Bay. They're not in New York. They're not in California. This is not a destination that free agents want to come and play at. This is, it's not. It's cold. It's snowing. Free agents don't want to come to Green Bay and play. But they will come to Green Bay and play with the great Aaron Rodgers He's already under contract, but I'm talking about signing a long-term deal where he's going to retire a Packer. And once he wins another Super Bowl, I'm okay with him retiring. Ride on off into the sunset, Aaron. But until then, you owe us, Packer fans. So I've had a long show, and it's that time of the show where I have to get my prediction on the Super Bowl. And I brought on my man Joe Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengal, who was on the Bengals Super Bowl team, when they got to the Super Bowl against Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. And I also brought on my man, Brian Westbrook, former co-host of the Wise Guy Sports Show and CEO of Get Everything You. And we broke down the game in depth and it's going to be a great matchup. And when I look at the duos in this game, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, believe it or not, I trust Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase more than I trust Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. And the reason why is I don't believe 
Joe Burrow is going to fold under pressure. And me and B. West talked about this earlier. I think if you can apply pressure on Stafford, he will give you opportunities for interceptions if you're an opposing defense. I think Jamar Chase is going to have a decent game. He's going to have a game similar to what he had in the AFC Championship game. But I think T. Higgins is going to also have a breakout game as well. But I trust Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase a little bit more than I trust Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I think the Cooper Cup is the best receiver right now in the NFL. I think overall it's Devontae Adams. But right now, Cooper Cup is playing the best receiver in the NFL right now because he's in the, in the Super Bowl and he's playing at a high level. And I would give the Rams the advantage when it comes to the head coaches. These are two of the youngest head coaches to ever coach a Super Bowl. But we know Zach Taylor was under Sean McVay in L.A. And I, I think Sean McVay is, is the better coach. But I think Zach Taylor is also improving. And he's, he's gotten better. Although before Joe Burrow showed up, it was a good chance that Zach Taylor was going to be fired soon. He was going to be fired. And you, you can say that Joe Burrow saved Zach Taylor's job. He saved his job. But when I look at the defense and Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, I think they're going to be too much for that Bengals offensive line. Even though Stafford does turn the ball over at times, I think Odell Beckham is going to perform at a high level in the Super Bowl. I don't think the Bengals have what it takes to contain an Odell Beckham. And Odell is going to perform very, very well because we know Coverage is going to be shifted in the direction of Cooper Cup. So Odell is going to get an opportunity to have one-on-one against Eli Apple or Uzure, the other cornerback for the Bengals. I think the pressure is on the Rams to win this game, and the Bengals are playing with house money. But I believe that the L.A. Rams are going to get over the hump, and they are going to live up to this pressure in their home stadium and beat. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals at SoFi Stadium Sunday evening in L.A. I'm rolling with the Rams to beat the Bengals 27-24. Enough of wearing this Joe Burrow jersey. It's got to go. It got to go. I'm rolling with the Rams to beat the Bengals 27-24. Yeah, I'm in my beater. (laughs) But I've been wearing that jersey for the last four hours. And me saying I'm uncomfortable. It's an understatement. I got Rams 27, Bengals 24. Bengals had a great season. They overachieved. They have nothing to be ashamed of, but I think it's the Rams time. I think it's the Rams time, and I think they're going to get it done and be so fly at so far Sunday evening in L.A. Matthew Stafford 27, Joe Burrow 24. Matthew Stafford will win Super Bowl MVP. And I think Odell Beckham will have over 100 yards receiving in this game. And he's going to score a touchdown as well. So there you have it. Everybody, remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'm Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Signing off. Everybody enjoy Super Bowl weekend. It's going to be lit here in the city of Cincinnati. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. Chris 
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.